This week's episode of This Is Only A Test is made possible with support from Linksys. Bad Wi-Fi is usually due to your Wi-Fi equipment rather than your ISP. Update to Linksys and kiss dead zones goodbye. Linksys solves the biggest Wi-Fi issues like buffering and connection problems, and you can easily set up guest access and parental controls. Visit Linksys.com to save 15% on a new router with the code test while supplies last cannot be combined with other promos refurbished products products not eligible for this promotion one per customer once again that's linksys.com say 15 percent with the offer code test hey let's start the show for thursday october 31st spooky halloween welcome to this is only a test the official podcast of tested.com Welcome to an especially spooky episode of the podcast this week. I'm Norm, and it's scary because, well, Jeremy's not here. Oh, no. I'm continuing my ongoing feud with Jeremy where we can't be on the same podcast at the same time. We get Slack notifications at uh, late, uh, the night before we record, and someone has to give. It's a game of chicken every week. If Jeremy says podcast at this time tomorrow, I say sounds great. And then Kishore says, I'm not going to make it. If Kishore says podcast tomorrow, I say, yeah, sounds great, Kishore. Is, good to have you back. Jeremy says, is, I'm not going to be there. This is wildly inaccurate. There's no way that I write full sentences in Slack. Oh, no. But if, if Jeremy was here, I wouldn't get to be here. Hey, That's true. who's yeah. here? Our friend Trace is here. So stepping up to the Hi. plate, we got Trace Mingus. Trace, how you doing? I'm doing really, really well. Yeah, oh, thanks, well. thanks for filling in that week. I was gone. I'm yeah, going to go pleasure. out there and say right now, Trace is a fan favorite. Oh, already. really? Yeah. Oh, thanks, I didn't even fans. know that. That's so awesome. Fan favorite. One fan told me you really like Trace on the show. Fan favorite. One fan. <laughs> so I have one favorite. One fan favorite. I, I'm, I'm favorite. calling it. One, fan favorite. Well, thank you, one person. And thank you for joining us this week. We're going to kick things off because even though this episode is going to be released on Halloween, it's not quite Halloween for us yet. What are your Halloween plans? So my son uh, is a fan of the game Plants vs. Zombies. Okay. Classic. And he asked to be the disco zombie from that game. And Very so specific. the maker inside of me, the bad one, uh, decided that he was going to use different techniques uh, vertically through his costume. So I uh, made him glitter shoes. I initially made them platform glitter shoes. Did not care for the platform. Hmm. Uh, we used some sewing on the shirt, uh, some uh, uh, metal hammering to forge some of the necklaces and jewelry, uh, some wig styling for the wigs, uh, makeup uh, approaches. We have some uh, teeth going in. Uh, and at points he was like, oh, I don't know if I really want this. Both my, my wife and I were like, no, this is how your costume is going to be. He's the one who chose it. I think Disco Zombie, really, it's about the hair. Yep. So you got a big, big poofy wig. Got a big poofy wig, styled it, added color highlights to it. Mm-hmm. So I went, I went pretty far out. I'm going as Crazy Dave, the human of in the course. game. Perfect. And my wife is going as a sunflower. Oh, that's so cute. That's Family great. Costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
We got a family costume as well. Uh, we you are all going as Ripley. Uh, we wish. Uh, we, we she will partake. We're going to make her partake at, in, in some way, one or another. Well, we're debating. It's baby's first Halloween. He didn't <gasps> quite come in time for Halloween last year, so we had to do something. And we, you know, did our the just brainstorming session for ideas of family costumes. He's not going to really be able to do anything other than he needs to be in a costume that's somewhat mm. comfortable, not only for him, but for us to hold, mm. right? Uh, so one idea we came up with, and we this was our favorite up until the last minute, was going to be uh, Bruce Lee. He was going to be Bruce Lee in a tiny, like, Kill Bill-esque uh, jumpsuit, right, the yellow jumpsuit, and we'd found one online for that would fit him. And then Danica and I would be giant nunchucks. Whoa. Like, Amazing. I love it. But we're, we might say that for a future, a future holiday. Yeah. And when so you can scale back, run, and you can teach him to just like pose with a Well, he would hope he's like grabbing us, right? He's oh, like grabbing, yeah. tiny Bruce Lee, grabbing a giant nunchuck, and we would have like some type of cylinder costume with chains that connect that stuff. I like it. At the top. Ended up not going there and didn't have time, so we're doing Jurassic Park. We found a really great costume for him where he is a triceratops popping out of an egg. Mm. Oh. Which yeah. one of you? Very cute. And then which one? Like no, Norm so, has to then be the robot that turns oh, the oh, egg. Oh, yeah. I wish I was the robot. He's going to be Henry Wu. Aren't I'm going to be Henry, Henry Wu. Wu. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be simple to, to but be. But you're going to be like Wong. still innocent BD Wong. No, I got Wu. the turtleneck, so it okay. can still be villainous. Oh, oh cool. Villainous yeah. BD Wong. All, yeah, so all much day better. Long. Yeah. But you know what Danica's going to be? Uh, Dr. Laura Dern? No, that was too obvious. We we considered the Laura Dern. Yeah. She's going to be Dino DNA. Dino oh, DNA. The, the mascot? Dino DNA. Wait, Mr. DNA? Mr. DNA? Mr. DNA? I mean, I'm Love making promises right DNA now. The costumes are still coming together. So he hopefully it all. Good. So if, if by the time you listen to this podcast, if it's Halloween evening on the Pacific and there are tweets with these pictures, then you will know we have made it and it was successful. <laughs> if not, then something went terribly wrong. Trace, how about you? I don't have any Halloween plans except what? to hand out candy. I'm just handing out candy. I have a friend who's been out of town for like eight months. She's been traveling South America, and she's here for two days over Halloween. But you should put on something. Put on a cape. I don't know. Go to the door in something. We're going to be outside the whole time. We're just going to hang out on, yeah, on her stoop. Wear something. I'm not, I'm not super into Halloween. <gasps> I know. Fan favorite. Gone. I'm taking away the title. Yeah. It's not that I don't like it. When I was 12 or 13, my parents were like, Halloween is for children. You can hand out candy now or go to Halloween parties, but Halloween is for kids. Wow. And I have never been so angry about at people I've never met before. (laughs) I agree on some level. I don't want to give candy at the door to high schoolers. All right. Redemption opportunity. Yeah. What kind of candy are you giving out? Ooh, uh, we've got a selection of candy bars, the fun size ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I prefer to give out some Skittles as well. But oh, like, chocolate base. We've got Snickers, Milky Ways, Dark Milky Ways, some Tick. What's a Twix? Okay, Twix. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As long as okay. it's, the answer is it's all, not the, peeps. The correct answer is always some form of Kit Kat. Yes. Okay. Um, some, there some might variant. be Kit Kats in there. The, we haven't the, opened them because we'll eat them. <laughs> yes. The incorrect answer is any sort of Smarty based or oh. milk dud. No. Or Too coconut chewy. almond yeah. joy. Ugh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Those are the gross. incorrect answers. Yeah. Gross, gross, gross. Or, or the candy corn. We're not no or monsters, Kishore. Also, anyone that's doing the full size candy bars, why I love that as a kid, don't show off. There's no need to show off. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Show off. The dentist on the other side of the lake that I grew up on would do the full size candy bars. The dentist? Because yeah. he's like investing in himself. That Yeah. Nice. Uh, are we ready to do uh, a little top story? Uh, well, what did you do? Anyone do any fun, fun things this weekend? I went to Canada. You were in Canada? I went to Regina, Saskatchewan. Whoa. I went to the Heritage Classic, which is an outdoor game uh, in a CFL stadium. It was between my Winnipeg Jets and my son's favorite team, the Calgary Flames. No one seemed to know there was an outdoor hockey game south of the border. And it didn't matter. Uh, We came, we rolled up to our hotel, got in all of our gear because it was like, I don't know, 20 degrees outside because it's October. Yeah. Saskatchewan. Yeah. But whatever that is in Celsius. We had this like quintessential Canadian experience. So our Uber doesn't come to like take us to the game. And these uh, three Canadian guys show up and one is wearing like a hockey helmet. They're all geared up and they go, hey, we got some space in our cab. You want to hop in, eh? Wow. And we're like, yes. Yes, And And I turned to my son. I was like. You cannot do this in the United States, but it's okay right now. <laughs> and uh, so we go to the game. We get to the game. It starts snowing as we walk in. Aww. And it's this just really magical experience. The game was great. Winnipeg won in overtime. But more importantly, just the experience of being outside. They had fighter jets like buzz the stadium during the anthem, which was just incredible to hear like a stadium full of Canadians just like all singing Belting in unison. The national yeah. anthem. They have a great um, national anthem. They have a great anthem. It's really good. There anthem. was it was just an extraordinary experience. I got to hear the people in the row behind me, the Canadians talk politics, and I was cool. like, "Oh no, this is going to be bad." Cuz there was just and, an election there. And, yeah, and they introduced me to a term called Wexit, which is Western Canada seceding from the rest of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh so was it it was an interesting experience. Was this on the Sports Equinox? What is it? Oh, yes. Uh, no, it was the night before. Oh, the okay. sports equinox is when all four major leagues, it, technically five, because major league soccer was playing too. Yeah. It's uh, the one day of the year. Only it has happened, I think, 20 or 21 times in sports history. But it's the one day of the year. If all the stars align, there are all the major sports happen on that one day. They all baseball, games. World yeah. Series extended. You know, I think it was probably game five or six, and then you had NBA started, NFL, of course, on Sunday, and, and Major League Soccer, and, and, and NHL. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fun. It was an awesome experience. It's a bit of, bit Sounds of like. Mm-hmm. I love Canada. Uh, do you think fun over the weekend, Trace? I am working on a secret project, Ooh. so I was doing that, which okay. I can't talk too much about. But it's, you know, related to making video stuff. <laughs> I, I know of a secret project. I want to give like two, maybe five thumbs up. I don't have that many thumbs, but this is going to be awesome. I'm really I'm excited, so excited about it. I, I can't talk about it till the end of this. I mean, I, I can, but I'm trying not to till the end of this month when they officially announce it. Yeah, it's going to awesome. be super awesome. Keep a follow Trace on Twitter and stuff so you can see it. Yeah, yeah. Trace Dominguez. I'm going to definitely tweet about like help with it too because i want to try and crowdsource it and make it make it good nice. make it even better nice i took care of a baby he poops a lot yep he's doing all right we got the poop update and the oh, car ride yeah. over today yeah phone call it was massive it was beef stewy you don't want to hear about it let's go on right. let's move on <laughs> Story this week. 
Ooh, okay. So there are a couple things that were in contention for top story this week. We could talk about the Apple new product that was stealth drop. No, no, no. No. Let's not talk for about streaming story. media for cord cutting. This is I think is, is is worthy of a top story. It's a big deal in the world, an increasingly competitive and crowded world of streaming services. Mm-hmm. Warner Media, AT&T, the big the non-NBC conglomerate, media conglomerate, has now announced the details, not only pricing, but also content plan for their big streaming over T- OTT is what they call it, uh, play. And it's HBO Max, of course, which is something they announced the name of earlier this year, maybe late last year. And it will be $15 a month. So what do you get with it, though? Yeah, so this is where there's a <laughs> little bit of confusion, right? Because uh, we had questions about this when they announced it as HBO yeah. Max. Do you get HBO with it? The answer, I think, I, I think is yes. I think is inclusive of everything, at least in the back catalog of HBO. But you don't get current HBO stuff. We don't know. They didn't say. I don't they think would, you I do. I don't. I see. This is this is where this is so confusing. So, okay, they had this big event on the Warner Studios, uh, Warner Brothers lot, and they came out and they said, "HBO Max, we've been hyping it for a long time. It's gonna be available in May 2020. It'll be fifteen dollars a month." And people are, "Ooh, fifteen dollars a month!" But like Disney came out and they're seven dollars a month, and mm-hmm. they had to be really aggressive there. And they got they got the Avengers and they got the Star Wars and oh, and Apple. Apple came on essentially. Five dollars a month or free if for people who own new free Apple year. devices, free for the first year. So that's that's pretty compelling already. And Prime, of course, you know, people are already just, it's a sunk cost for people who who have Amazon two day shipping on Prime. So to come out and say fifteen dollars a month, that's that's a lot. Now for you know. There's an argument to be made that they don't want to be a race to the bottom, that they want to have, uh, they're calling it HBO, even though it's HBO Max. So it's going to be a premium service with premium content. HBO currently does cost $15 a month, whether you're buying it from them directly as HBO Now or you have it as HBO Go, which is the basically the cable package add-on. And this is why, of course, they had to launch this separately because they have existing relationships, not only with uh, DirecTV, which they own AT&T DirecTV, but also Comcast and, and um, all the other telecoms and cable providers. So they said the foundation of HBO Max will be HBO content. All the shows, all your favorite shows, I hate the wording on this, because they wouldn't straight up say every HBO show. They said all your favorite shows and all the new ones will be on HBO Max. I'm going to just give them the benefit of the doubt and assume they meant that they will have parity not only for the back catalog, but on timing for new releases for new HBO shows. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They've never okay. been very good at that, though. I, I just don't think the wording of that announcement no. indicates that that's what they're going to do. So I just a, think a, that's yeah. not realistic. If they were going to do that, they would say, they would just say, here are all is, the great shows. You get like, HBO. You get HBO. You right. get when new episodes mm-hmm. next year come out, you get it, as opposed to at the end or two weeks delay. They didn't. That's a huge selling point. It, if that's what you're getting, yeah. if they're if you're not getting it, then they need to obfuscate it. I know. So that and you get excited and build the hype a little bit of like an obfuscation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, worst case scenario, there'll be not all the HBO content mm-hmm. that you expect that people on the cable subscription services get or HBO Now subscribers get. Best case scenario, it will be parody on the back catalog and new releases, John Oliver, all that stuff. Okay. In addition to that. 
they are making their own shows. So the big content announcement was they, bam, new Game of Thrones. Now, just before, the day before they had this event, word came out that there was a Game of Thrones prequel show. They're working on five Game of Thrones spinoff shows, one of which had already had cast. Uh, Naomi Watts was going to be in it, and it was going to be like uh, in the, uh, I don't know what, what era they called it. It was greenlit, um, and uh, it was... What was the, the uh, I forget. It was uh, it was the the end of the House of Targaryen. I want to no, say no. That's the one that got greenlit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So what was the? Uh, it was like, like hundreds of years in the past as a prequel, yeah. right? Some new era, some some like mentioned era in the Game of Thrones world. They abruptly canceled that. That's not going to series. Uh, the Naomi Watts one was thousands of years. Thousands of years. Beforehand, okay. the one that got greenlit was like was the House of Targaryen one, which got is it. like hundreds of years. Got yeah, it. House of Dragons. Is that and so that's what it's called. It's House of Dragons. House of the Dragons. It has the big Targaryen sigil on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be uh, based on Fire and Blood. So, and it will be co-created by George R. R. Martin with no involvement from the showrunners from uh, the Game of Thrones series. <laughs> David, this is a tough week Weiss. for them, but we'll get yeah, to we'll, that we'll later. To that. Yeah. House of the Dragon. Very excited. That will be obviously be a big selling point for HBO Max. Now, question, is this, has an HBO logo on this? I think this will be on HBO as well. So for people yeah. who are cable subscribers who are on like uh, on Comcast and pay for HBO, you will get this too. It's not going to be HBO Max exclusive. There are things that sound like they will be HBO Max exclusives, such as uh, DC because it's Warner Media, so they have DC Comics. They have DC Comics shows. It will be uh, they're doing a Green Lantern show. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Studio Ghibli is also on HBO Max. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. I haven't even talked about the, yeah. uh, the licenses. So yeah. they're doing original shows. They're calling them HBO Max Originals. Ton of money. Very original name. Yep, yep. They're doing... Um, Raised by Wolves, which R- is... Ridley Scott's show. Yep. It's, uh, it's his son. Uh... Oh, no, no. It, it's, it's Ridley Scott, right? No, it's, it's, it's just Ridley, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. It's a DC uh, oh, okay. show. Very cool. It, I actually don't know much about it, but we know Ridley Scott is directing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have new projects from uh, Elizabeth Banks, Isa Rae, and uh, Mindy Kaling. And there'll be some stand-up specials from Conan O'Brien. So all these are original stuff for HBO Max. Uh, A new documentary, CNN documentary, uh, CNN Films are doing a documentary on Anthony Bourdain. Cool. That's me on there. So this, and and this is from Morgan Neville, the guy who did Mm -hmm. the documentary uh, for Mr. Rogers, Mm -hmm. and also is a collaborator of Dave Chang and um, and John Favreau, or maybe not John Favreau, Dave Chang for the new uh, Netflix show for uh, Ugly Delicious and his um, his new Netflix show, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. But to your point. Trace, they also have dropped a ton of money getting exclusive. So previously yeah. announced, they had spent hundreds of millions getting Friends. Oh, my God, Friends? Wow. I uh, tried to feign excitement for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm cool. not excited about it. It's, this is kind of a back catalog thing, yep. right? This is totally just the fodder for filler. For, it is a widely streamed show. It's one of those things. If you have the service, you can put it on the background, and a lot of people like watching, the fr- watching Friends. It's the same way I use The Office on Netflix. Exactly. And they're not going to get yep. The Office because that's NPC Comcast, and mm-hmm. that, they have their own mm-hmm. things. So this is 
AT&T, Time Warner, you know, they're bingey or they're they're old And Conan makes sense because he's on TBS, which is a Turner thing, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting too. So uh, the other thing, uh, Studio Ghibli. And that is, uh, now they have anime, so they also a parent company to like Crunchyroll, so they're getting a lot of anime Mm -hmm. built into that. Um, Crunchyroll Crunchyroll as well. Uh, This is the first time I think any U.S. Streaming service has had the rights to those Studio Ghibli. Um, I was looking forward to them potentially being on Disney Plus when they first announced it, only yeah. because Buena Vista had released them prior, like years and years ago. So it's interesting that they're now not. It just makes me a little sad because yeah. I thought I was going to get them. I mean, I do like watching them at home, but I do think they're better as theatrical experiences. Oh, 100%. They have Sesame Street, of course. Yeah. Uh, they, Which is just a continuation of what yep. they have now. And that's going to eventually go on PBS, so just mm-hmm. as first exclusive on HBO slash HBO Max. They've also paid $500 million for all of South Park. Interesting. I didn't know that. So it's leaving Hulu. I, I think South Park back catalog is not a good... That's not a show you go back and watch. I think that's a show you experience in the moment because it's so... You might go back and watch like your favorite episode that you remember from college or from whenever yeah. you, wa- you but know, I watched think it. But yeah. they, they tend to be timely. Like yeah, the Chinese... Very, very much. Um, right. You know, censorship one. Well, they, don't, this, they don't age well. All goes back to how the content may be surfaced in the UI, mm-hmm. right? Just like Disney now is the entire back catalog of The Simpsons. I don't like Simpsons as a show either that you necessarily go back and say, I'm going to yeah. f- pick out, you know, pick a random from one of the 20 X number of seasons and pick it up. So unless there was a, give me a random Simpsons, give me my Simpsons yeah. hit now. Yeah. Simpsons is perfect for kind of channel surfing because you flip to the Simpsons yeah. channel. Yeah, you can spend days just watching the Simpsons. And yeah. if someone's programming it for you, that's why mm-hmm. FXX has done a great job with their Simpsons lineup where they say, here are the, all the Simpsons episode featuring Martin or yeah. all the Simpsons episodes with Lisa. Right, and then they kind of have these marathons of these themes because there's so many of those. South Park, I think, could benefit that. Here are the best Cartman episodes. Sure, just play a playlist of all the episodes featuring Tweak. I don't know, something, yeah. something like that. The, the, it's interesting you bring that up because I, one of the quotes that I wrote down in my notes was um, that users spend nine minutes scrolling through options, yep. and HBO Max is designed to cut through that. One nine minutes is a long time to like scroll oh. through, but. Underachievers, we all do that for sure. Like this active, you know, TV as an old model was a passive experience, right? You flip it to a channel you know you like, and you just let the cable TV wash over you. But with these active experiences like Netflix and HBO Max and YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like you can spend a lot of time selecting a thing to watch. Um, Choice is crippling. And I remember doing some research years ago, and I couldn't find the source in my notes, but. Um, essentially Netflix does a lot of research to try and get you to pick a thing really quick. And on there, they have a research blog that's really good that I like to read. And they have, um, cause I'm, I'm a big nerd. So Netflix does a study where they found that you have about 90 seconds until you end up leaving. So you'll mm, like mm. log into Netflix. They have about 90 seconds to grab you with something. I don't know if they meant grab you as in your interest or make you watch it. And then the thumbnails, the, the what they call key art, they're customized to the person who's watching them. Right. So like if, say, I'm a, a male who in a, of a certain age, I might get like a Stranger Things icon that has the kid with no teeth, you know, Dustin, because I might identify with him in some way. So they'll show me that because I might be more likely to click on it. Yeah. And you have like one and a half seconds before somebody makes a decision on that key art before they'll move on. So it's like there's so many things in the UI that HBO Max could learn from other 100%. people and kind of bring in 
to make things faster and, and, and smoother. I always feel like there's a missed opportunity on all these to do better cut trailers or more variety of mm. trailers. Netflix has perfected the art of when you scroll over in yes. their UI, they will play. If there's no trailer, they'll just literally start playing the episode so yeah. you are grabbed and that is a little bit like that channel surfing aspect. But oftentimes for movies and TV shows, they're going to cut some version of a trailer. And the thing I hate is if I'm sitting on Icon, seeing the same trailer. It's like, the, it's like listening to the radio and hearing the first five seconds of a song you've heard before. Yeah. And you're not necessarily committing to it, but if they had mixed it up, if there was an array of like 15 second trailers, mm -hmm. actually Steam for video games done, has done this. They've used algorithms to create and auto-generate tiny micro trailers mm -hmm. uh, automatically for content so that people, when people browse, they can get a sense of exactly what they are going to get and they don't have to see the same thing over and over again. And yeah. I think they could, that's because they, they know, for example, Netflix knows the heat maps of, yes. of mm -hmm. where people watch and where people stop. And for shows, they can tell the most popular sequences or the parts that people have memified, right? Like, and that's a great opportunity for them to make the menu that much more enticing so that you are getting a better sense of what that content is, especially for TV shows when there are hours and hours across multiple seasons that are displayed. Uh, okay, back to HBO. South Park, big thing. I still think, yeah, there's a, a, a ripe opportunity to surface that. If they're going to license it, get people actually to watch it and stick in HBO. Uh, also, Rick and Morty. They're getting the I streaming rights. I think that's rights. a, that's uh, a that's big, a big, big yeah. one. Um, and they're getting, okay, Max Originals, they're uh, doing Tokyo Vice, which is um, from, is this a, a spinoff of Miami Vice? Maybe? I don't know. Um, there's a, a Gossip Girl reboot and mm. a, oh, the, what is this? Anna Kendrick has a show called Love Life. And then there's a thriller called The Flight Attendant starring uh, Kaylee Cuoco. So they also got a, as filler Big Bang Theory is on there, which I was surprised Wait, because like, really? yeah, it was uh, in the article from Vox. Yeah, they yeah, said yeah, Big yeah, Bang yeah, Theory. Right. Friends, Game of Thrones, And I was Big surprised because I'm like, why isn't CBS just keeping that? But I don't know. Maybe mm. Warner distributes it or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I actually think that's might be a bigger deal than Friends. They also have a big production deal with J.J. Abrams' production company with Bad Robot. So that's that, can, that can bear a lot of fruit in the future. Can we fast forward to like the important question? Are you going to get this? Well, he, mm. it goes back to the confusion of, and they admit it, their CEO talked about there is, they, they know it's it's confusing. They're calling HBO Max because of the strength of the HBO brand. Mm. But HBO Go does not go away. And HBO Now doesn't go away either. Now, HBO Now is interesting case because HBO Now, I, I understand why HBO Go doesn't go away. HBO Go is tied it's to cable. To cable. It, the whole reason HBO Go exists is because it, it is the uh, your Apple TV, Roku, whatever TV box way of getting even your HBO phone. Go. Yeah, and uh, your phone. When you're already tied to a cable service, a cable service, it is a deal that AT and T and Time Warner has made with cable services where they get mm -hmm. their cut and it gets access to X million number of customers. It may not be relevant five years from now as cable subscribers keep on going down and subscriptions go down, but for now it has to exist. Now HBO Now is already an a la carte service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you pay fifteen bucks a month, you get HBO. Now they're saying that anyone who buys HBO Now, who buys it directly from HBO, pays them directly. I hope that includes people who buy through Apple TV, although they didn't mention that at all, mm. will be 
will have the option of just getting HBO Max instead. Like an upgrade or like an inline kind of transfer. Transfer, yeah. Now, to call it an upgrade would imply that there's... There's either an... Inter- there's a parody. A cost or... Well, no, the, the, to, that, that the HBO content is going to be saved day and date and mm-hmm. the entire back catalog is going to be so, there. They're calling it an IT, IQ test. They're saying it, it would be stupid not to do it. So if it's a thing where you sign up for HBO now and you get HBO Max for the for $15 total. Yep. A month. Then yes, I will do this because I'm going to keep subscribing to HBO and subscribing via HBO now is fine. So Great. here's my... F- then yes, I will get this. Right. Yeah. But otherwise, not. Because there isn't enough content here to like justify paying any extra money for it. Yeah, the before real quick before Norm kind of yeah. shoots at you with that. Yeah, the I think the reason you get Friends, the reason you get Big Bang Theory, is because they are long running, short episode syndicated programming that you can keep people on the app longer. You can keep people in the system long enough to make the system seem popular. Right? There, it's essentially the the filler yeah. in your cherry pie. Right. And Which is now not how people consume HBO. Right. But it's how if I were defending it to a television board of directors, I would say we have, you know, 700 episodes on here now when you include all of these different things. And we know the people who run HBO now are kind of disappointed with H, the performance of HBO, even though HBO had Game of Thrones and is a staple for tens of millions of households. Like their goal is to get into 50 million households or 50 million customers in X, in like five years or something. It's a, it's a very ambitious goal, but it's essentially, even though they're calling it HBO, it's a diluting of the brand because previously, yeah, technically you're getting more content for the same amount of money. You're getting a ton more content, South Park, yeah. Friends, all the stuff, these new shows, HBO Max shows. But the way I think about HBO is I don't necessarily need it to be Netflix quantity. I subscribe to HBO because what they put out is all everything premium premium quality quality that I'm going to watch. Even shows that I may not think I'm interested in, Succession, even when Chernobyl is Mm -hmm. first launching. Mm -hmm. If I give it a shot, I don't feel overwhelmed because they're weekly releases. They only have like two or three new shows going out at the same time. Yep. And throughout the year, I'm going to watch everything because it's all so good. Agreed. Now it feels like they want to be a little bit more mass market with the Friends, with the South Park, with yeah. your Gossip Girl reboot. I don't know if that Gossip Girl reboot's going to be your Sex and the City quality. Right? I mean, in terms of it being... <laughs> I'm not bold, sure Sex and the City was but quality. It, but you know what I mean. Yeah, such right. a good phase there. <laughs> you mean like, you know what I mean? Like for a time, yes. a bold yes. show that it's pushes... Gonna change, it's going to like change threads in pop culture through the creation of the show. It yeah, feels it? like, you know mm-hmm. what? It feels like TV, not HBO. Oh, oh, you've been, you were sitting on that for a minute. And we'll, we'll, we'll end there. <laughs> so it's going to come out in May. Uh, there's still, again, a little bit of confusion. I, I th- I, as long as it really is the the parody with HBO Now subscribers, it's going to be a no-brainer for people. I don't think it's going to get yeah, to, then it's to fine. cancel. Can... I just hope that they still keep on taking risks with their programming. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. Like, you don't log into HBO Go, HBO Now, however you experience it now. You don't do that and just start browsing around as much as you might with a Netflix. Yeah. You're there to see Chernobyl. It's You're there to see, mm-hmm. you know, last week tonight. You're there to watch that episode of Game of Thrones that you really liked. I have put it on as like, 
I'm going to just put on Game of Thrones because I've already seen all these episodes and I have nothing to do and I've watched The West Wing too many times. So I'll just like put on this other show. But it's but you very rarely do that. It's like Netflix, you'll go and browse forever and ever and try and find I, a thing. I would also offer that HBO, while making some of the best shows that has ever graced television, they're not really rewatchable. Like, I'm not going to go back and watch Game of Thrones again. Really? Oh, I will. <laughs> well, really? I've watched Watchmen so many times. <laughs> no, no, but that's a show that's out now. Oh, but, like, are, do you go back yeah. and watch the run of Sopranos? Do you go back and watch Six Feet Under? Boardwalk Empire. Okay. The Wire? I'm wrong. I've the went wire. Oh, well, The Wire's different. That is the greatest show ever made. <laughs> You're such the whitest person in the room, Kishore. I am very white <laughs> here. Very white. So, um, what was what was my other point? Oh, you made me forget my point. I'm sorry. But HBO Max, uh, hopefully, it's not a dilution of quality. Uh, one of the I was gonna say one of the biggest competitive advantages that HBO had as a subscription based service, and now an OTT, you know, uh, a la carte streaming service, was it was appointment television. In a yep. way that Netflix and Amazon Prime, Prime rarely are. The big flagship shows on Amazon Prime and Netflix were, you know, like uh, Miss Marvelous Miss Maisel or mm-hmm. Stranger Things. I think Stranger Things is probably the closest you can get to appointment television on on streaming, where people wanted to watch it the moment it dropped and wanted to, to binge it on Netflix. And there were a few shows on Netflix that that did that. I'm going to shout out to the Great British Baking Show that they're doing week over week this season. I'm enjoying it. And I know other people who are and also are doing like appointment television and right. tweeting about it. And mm-hmm. and I I was surprised actually how much I enjoy watching television week over week because previously it had just been bingeable. But HBO was that. Even yes. though it was an app and it was a streaming service, people made appointments for 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Yes. Eastern. You would go and watch your Game of Thrones, watch your Westworld. And for a streaming service, that was unique. I hope they don't lose that with all these Max Originals. Yeah. That it's just going to be, again, stuck in a menu on Netflix, Netflix, 90 seconds, and now I'm crippled by decision. I never felt that way on HBO previously. Yeah. All right. That's enough for our top story. Let's move on. Let's talk about Star Wars. So, episode nine coming out December 19th. You got tickets, Trace? I have tickets. I actually have more than one ticket to the opening night show. Opening night? Thursday night? We we bought, like a bunch of us have a text message thread that's specifically about opening nights. Yeah. Um, And one guy bought eight and one guy bought like five and one guy, and I bought one. <laughs> so you do a chart. I bought the last one in oh the theater God. just in case we need it. What, how, what does that seat? What was the last was seat the in the theater? Top, if you're looking at the screen is in the front. Mm-hmm. It was the furthest back row on the far right side, which better is than not, the, a bad, not a bad seat. It's uh, better than front row. That's yeah. what I was saying. Let's say I was surprised it wasn't front row being the last seat yeah, no, sold. They, people, it was, this is at the San Francisco Alamo Draft House. So mm. the front row isn't terrible it's not as bad as some theaters but it's still like the back row has a little height to it it's it's actually kind of nice i'm i'm not seeing it for a few days after release uh but i have 13 tickets because my whole (laughs) (laughs) these aren't hamilton tickets no but my whole family's coming out for christmas so like you will be using them. like all of us are going that's gonna be fun 
That's going to be really fun. So after episode nine comes out, it will be the end of the Skywalker saga. And as Lucasfilm has promised, there won't be Star Wars movies for a little bit as they're kind of redeveloping the <laughs> cinema angle. Well, that's, I, that sounds like a sigh of relief, mm-hmm. given the kind of influx of Star Wars we've had to various degrees of success. But on the horizon, we had heard of a couple different projects. For example, Ryan Johnson is still developing his own non-Skywalker saga trilogy over Lucasfilm. Oh. Looking forward to Knives Out, also coming out in, this, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. in the next month or so. And uh, and then there was word that uh, Lucasfilm had signed a deal with the showrunners of Game of Thrones, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, to do a trilogy as well. And this was supposed to be the next trilogy that we would see coming out in 2022. Well, it was announced this week that that's not going to happen anymore. They are off of Star Wars Sorry, guys. Uh, well, this just reinforces one thing: you do not mess with Kathleen Kennedy. That's she true. will knife you if you get out of line. Well, she will take she will take no sass. Yeah, and I mean, we know from what happened with um, Lord and Miller that they tried to introduce some more improvisation, and like Lawrence, like the story goes that Lawrence Kasdan was like, "No, you shoot what's on the script," and while. I think they they just wanted to, you know, do their own style and that did not work with Kathleen Kennedy's approach. I'm sure there's somewhere in the middle is the truth there. But I think this like Colin Trevenow. Yeah. Trevor, uh, Trevenow. Uh, Trev, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who Same did, thing happened to him. Well, he's he's fine. He's doing Jurassic World. No, I'm, three. I don't shed a tear for any of these people. They're all really successful. They're going to land on their feet. But, you know, the story that came out the day before these two got axed could not have helped them. So this was an interesting story. Did you read yeah. this? It was a Twitter thread. That I did, yeah. came out. Uh, they were both at, um, what was it, the Austin Film Festival. And this was their first public appearance because previously they had both been slated to appear at Comic-Con and then failed at the last minute. Uh, but this was not a highly publicized event. But they did a panel at the Austin Film Festival talking about their experience making the Game of Thrones series. A lot of questions from the audience. And while there is no video of, uh, I think that's important, video context of what the questions were and how they answered it, the twiddle, tw- twiddle, the twiddle thread, uh, a live tweet for uh, the, the panel from uh, the user for Aria. Hmm. Gives you gives you a sense of mm-hmm. the allegiances and the uh, the fandom. Um, cast the panel in not a great light, and their answer is not in a great light. And uh, I'm going to take this with a little bit of grain of salt. Sure, you got to read the thread yourself. But a lot of the answers were them saying that they really had no idea what they were doing. They were really scared doing the pitch, and they were the, the whole you know uh, x number of seasons and years making this show was a, basically a lesson, a, a school for them in in writing and directing, and you know, and they addressed the concerns that they didn't have in diversity in the writing staff, not to great effect and, and not to satisfaction. But the takeaway was that they really didn't have any idea. They were, they were figuring things out as they were going along. And the internet feedback was uh, uh, this this big, like we knew it exactly. We knew it, right? right? Like this this big yeah. validation of their criticism of the yeah. these two showrunners. And I think that's the part where you got to take a look with a grain of salt because as any person who has worked on any film or any TV show would tell you, 
it's all problem solving. Yes. No one goes in these big, massive projects with the expectation that one, it's going to be the biggest pop culture event in known history at the time and, and is prepared for that. And two, has any idea, has a, a complete idea of what they're doing. All of creative process in television is problem solving. And rarely do people have a complete vision of what they're going to do when they go into it. So I think they were being a little bit honest and humble about themselves as showrunners with the acknowledgement of like, it's a big collaborative process. And it was then taken in, in, in them being not the right people to do it. Now, regardless of whether they were actually the right people to do it or not, we'll never have the answer for that. They did it, you know, that it is what we got. And there are many parts of the show that you know, we loved, right? That you can, you, I don't think you can say that you can't, you can't take the, the finale and the people's disappointment with the final season without considering the success they had with the first six seasons. Yeah. Either. Absolutely. So, but it is unfortunate because I, again, we don't know if this is directly correlated or related, but very shortly after this panel, it was then announced that they would be <laughs> off Star Wars. I, it's hard not to think they're not related. Yeah. The timing is just too convenient. And you can imagine being a exec at Lucas and reading the reaction to this and getting pissed off. That, like, why did they put themselves in this situation? That, I think, is the bigger thing, right? The, the, the putting themselves in the situation, the not being aware of how anything they say and that's the fear, right? Being yeah. being careless with their public appearances. Because once you are in the lockbox that is Star Wars, the Star Wars universe, you have to be airtight. Yeah, it if is you, if Apple you can't do of, PR, so, yeah. and that's basically what this is. This is really bad PR for them personally. And if I were a, an executive at Lucas or at Disney or whomever, and, and I was like, we're going to hand our potentially multi-billion dollar trilogy to two guys who just admitted they don't know what they're doing with the last trilogy that ended poorly and yes was well received but mostly because it was written by like it had ample source material mm -hmm. from someone else yeah like i don't know you guys yeah I, like that just not a good business move just from a business perspective i'll be like yeah we can probably find they can a probably, bunch of other people that's also it's like the disney effect you know you want to work at disney world you can't take popcorn out of the popcorn machine because they can get five other people to fill your job you know it's just like there's always people who want to be around these pop culture tent poles i'm just hoping they don't just go back to jj abrams is that fine? Is that fine to say? Like, <laughs> you, like, let's not go back to the he's, well. He's locked into that HBO Max. That's right. So oh, like, that's an right. unbreakable deal, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I think J.J. Abrams would be smart to move on to something new just to, to keep it different and interesting. And I think yeah. there are so many talented writers. I think Disney Plus actually is a great place for them to cultivate talent. Yeah. Um, move the, people just up like the Marvel system. experimental. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the... And whatever we're seeing with Mando, if that turns out to be true, there's going to be a wealth of talent emerging from that uh, series that I would love to see if if this turns out to be as good as it sounds um, going forward. Speaking of, did you uh, did we talk about the Mando trailer last? We week? didn't. This is new. So Disney Plus, you know, and I go back to that last point I made with HBO Max with about appointment television. I think Disney Plus has the biggest potential to be appointment TV on streaming because they have Star Wars and because they have Marvel. And the first thing that's going to come out November 12th is going to be The Mandalorian. We have the final trailer for it, I guess, the series trailer. Did you watch it? 
Oh, could not be more hyped about this. I'm so hyped. <laughs> I'm very excited. Holy cow. I know I've said this on Twitter. I know I've said it everywhere I go. Werner Herzog should just narrate all trailers. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. The visuals in this are stunning. The setup, the world building, uh, the look of the Mando himself. The costuming's great. Oh. Now, it does <laughs> look like expensive television. I'm sweating. A lot of people are, are really happy with it because it, for them it feels like it feels quote unquote like Star Wars. Yeah, and you do get a lot of that Western space Western feel. You know, something that's less of the the polished Imperial, you know, Star Destroyer interior look. Yeah, the Rogue One kind of shiny. Like, even though it was still, it was so brightly colored in Rogue One, it wasn't as dingy as I expected. Yeah, this from, is like, dingy Star Wars. Yeah, which is right. This I is like. the this is this is it. the outer rim. This is dirt. scum and villainy. Yep, yep. Uh, the costume looks great. The uh, the effects look good. Uh, I think they were spending their money judiciously on effects. I think you know it's. Smart, smart to not probably have lightsabers and do blaster effects. And it's all going to be about how much we care about these characters. How yes. much we care about Pablo Pascal's Mandalorian. Because we don't even know. Is he going to be out of helmet? Or is he going to be in helmet the entire time? We do hear his Keep voice. Him. Keep him in is helmet he for a while. Is Build this going to be Gomez, Is he a she? No, it's, 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 I think I it's, it's a he. Maybe. Um, but maybe. There's also... Start it right now. Start the, <laughs> start the internet rumors. <laughs> Werner Herzog. I don't think Werner Herzog is uh, is on the cast. He's not long for that show, right? He's based on that conversation that was happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something that, bad's going to go down for that. Day. But interesting <laughs> guest appearances. There's uh, the villain looks like it's Gus from Baking Brad or Baking Baking breaking, Bread. Baking Bread. <laughs> breaking Bad. Uh, so he's, I think, a imperial officer, and that looks cool. He looks. He could totally play that villain. You have Carl Weathers. Sure. He's going to be the, Yay. maybe the, the, the grizzled comic reliefs or, you know, the, the veteran who could be wisecracking veteran. Right. And then Gina Carano, um, is the other lead here. We have a badass droid. Like we have everything. Like the one thing I question about, and it could be the Carl Weathers character is what is the comic relief in this? We don't kind of get snippets of that. I think that's like the easiest thing for them to figure out as the show goes along. This looks like a film. It, it, lo it looks that good. Yeah. Uh, I could not be more hyped about this. Yeah. And again, November 12th. Uh, we didn't talk about last week that Disney Plus is going to be free for a year for people with Verizon Limited. And they confirmed details that if you had previously already subscribed to Disney Plus, uh, it will just uh, delay that subscription until after your free Verizon year is up. Mm -hmm. So that, that's good. And I think that you said it's Verizon.com slash Disney Plus. Is that a uh, CW December 4th is the big multi show crossover event for the crisis of infinite earths. This is all the CW superhero DC shows crossing over from Supergirl, the flash green arrow to even, even Titans, I believe. Um, I don't know if it's any of the DC universe shows. I, I'm Black a Lightning. few episodes behind in Titans, but I haven't seen any hints of it yet. But you have a bunch of Superman. You have Tom Welling coming back, Brandon Routh coming back. He's actually off Legends of Tomorrow now. He filmed his last <laughs> last series, uh, last episode as Ray Palmer, the Atom. But off of that, they're already thinking post-crisis, and CW has talked about a spinoff show, a Superman spinoff show uh, from the Superman as portrayed in Supergirl. The Supergirl version of Superman. It's going to be called uh, Superman and Lois Lane. Hmm. Superman and Lois. Cool. 
I'm a little wary about this. Should be. Because people are going to make a big deal with this being a Superman back on TV. And I don't think, for people who don't follow Supergirl on the CW show, it's their... They can't expect it to be t- movie quality Superman. No, nope. it's going to be TV Superman. And for TV viewers, they're going to understand this is not the "quote unquote" canonical Earth One Superman. This is going to be the alternate Elseworlds Supergirl version of Superman. Like people really love that character, and they really care about the casting. I think the the actor, uh, what's his name, uh, Tyler uh, Holchen has done a good job as Superman for and Clark Kent also for the Supergirl show. And uh, if they play it a little bit more like Lois and Clark, remember that show yeah. on ABC? Yeah, of course there. Who doesn't? Lois and Clark. Yeah. New Adventure Superman. Dean Cain, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, if they play it a little more like that, I think then the show has potential. Yeah, if they don't take it too seriously, which don't Supergirl is really seriously. good at. That's I would right. say I've watched a lot of Supergirl. I enjoyed putting it on as like, like, second screen TV we're like you're not worried about whether you miss that scene because right. the whole show is a little bit doesn't take itself too seriously which I appreciate and they they don't rely on the character being too overpowered mm-hmm. which is the easy thing to fall into with with Superman well it's, he's such a ter- tough character to to yeah. portray he's, he is, he's yeah. a god like what yeah. what are what are the interesting stories that you can do with Superman. You have to do him as a human. It's yeah. the Clark Kent stories that are actually more interesting. I think there's going to be DC fatigue. There's already DC fatigue on the WB. I've watched most of those shows like The Flash, Arrow, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I know Arrow is ending this year. Batwoman was actually surprisingly good. Um, good sort of world building. I mean, it's still like second screen kind of television, but I just don't think they'll be able to keep up the momentum with mm. all these shows. There's just too many of them. Yeah. I really liked The Flash for a while, and then I started watching Arrow, and I was like, oh, I've seen all these shows. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. all these episodes. They just took the script and changed, like, some of the names and essentially mm-hmm. felt very similar. So I I, I agree with Yeah, the solutions that. are like, instead of firing a set of arrows, you run fast as the yeah. solution. Yeah, for exactly. That it's like, mm, how do we resolve this? Well, I guess he'll move really quickly. Uh, yeah. That's his thing. <laughs> and, and I don't know. I, I, I like them a little bit more than that, but yes, you're I right. Loved, There's formulaic. loved Smallville. I loved it. So like to see Tom Welling back just made my heart swell a little bit. It was just really nice. I can't wait to see this. The, yeah. The crossover. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Watchmen just a little bit because you weren't on the show last week. Oh, sure. Here it comes. Episode two is out. All right. So, um... Uh, this will be uncomfortable for a second, but uh, Norm, what do you think of Watchmen so far? I really like it. I think it's garbage. <gasps> I have no opinion. Tell me why. <laughs> I am really irritated. And so it has, I'll start by saying, I think it has the potential to be a good show. It's really well shot. Your comment about the music is spot on. It is so over-engineered, and I feel like finding Damon Lindelof and just punching him in the face. Because I feel like they're doing this thing they did at the beginning of Lost, where they're manufacturing suspense by withholding information from you. And intentionally withholding information from you. Slight spoiler. Sorry. Spoil spoil away. I'm not going to... There was a point in the episode this week, in episode two, where a character has a conversation with another character that's like oh, you don't have this piece of information that I have. I'm not going to tell you that piece of information. That was a whole engineered behind the suspense. It's like, I'm a character that knows something, and I'm going to intentionally not tell you. And basically they were talking to you, the audience. Yes, they're talking at you 
as the audience member. I don't like that. It infuriated me because I was like, I've been through this with them. I've been through like I was like, oh, I'm at the hatch right now from Lost. They're building this suspense and they've not proven at all. They can pay it off. And so I'm setting myself up to just have no resolution to this, that it's all build up. And the buildup, while can be enjoyable, is enjoyable in the stupid frame that it's like, enjoy the pathway instead of the, the conclusion. The journey. Uh, it is so manufactured. I feel just toyed with in this show. And I can feel like Damon Lindelof just like pulling strings on me. And I hate that. So you say there's no plot. No, I mean, there's a plot, but and like, I understand why they're using this technique in Watchmen, which is all built around a conspiracy. Yep. And so if you feel like you're trying to figure out a conspiracy, that's great. But we're not watching a character uh, go through trying to figure out a conspiracy. So far, we've been watching other characters be like, there's a conspiracy. Right. And I, I, just I, feel I, agree with that. I, I do agree with that. There's like the, you're talking about the, the character of Will, uh, the old man. Um, Lewis Goss Jr. And yes, that scene, I think, was a little too much. This show is a mystery. Like, this show is a mystery. Mm-hmm. It literally ends with, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but the um, Jeremy Irons portion, I am I'm loving. Very enjoyable. That, and that I think his portrayal, show. so creepy. Yeah. Right in Jeremy Irons' wheelhouse. That's what he does best, being creepy. What I love also, if you're following the meta story, uh, people watching the show, and this is week to week with something HBO can do and Netflix can't, is that you have fan bases and communities kind of s- spin up as these shows go on and obsessive fans scrutinizing not only the teasers for the next episodes, but also frame by frame the existing episodes. Looking back to source material, the HBO is releasing a bunch of extra reading material if you want to dive deeper. And people have posted a whole spectrum of theories. And some of those theories, they already have anticipated and season two or episode two already addressed. So I love, I like that part of it. We're in Lost season one. We're in the middle of that. And, that's and, exactly and, and, and what happened with Lost. Season one. I like the mystery box. I want to see it unfold. That's an interesting, like Lost is an interesting comparison because then after Lost had ended, I remember reading a Wired article where they talked to the writers of Lost about how they did all of these things and why they did things the way they did. And I wonder if maybe the Watchmen feels the same way in the writer's room where they were like, well, we set up all these things. So we never knew if we were going to pay off. And we never knew if any of them were going to happen because we didn't know if we were going to have a next season ever. Well, this is similar in that it it is the same writer. It is Damon Lindelof. Yeah. But different in that they know they wrote this for one season. Yeah. And everything he's done after a loss, The Leftovers is the prime example, is built in the model where he knew the ending going to it because of the lessons from loss. Where he didn't know. Because none of them knew. Right. Until the best thing they did was to say, we're going to end it after this final season and even then the final season had filler that new things introduced that were unnecessary that never paid off i'll also tell you i think the white supremacy stuff feels manufactured too i feel like oh that's actually actually that's a plot point yeah (laughs) there you go you now you're now now you're now you're thinking with portals yeah i i think i'm irritated because i want to like this show a lot like there's so much to like about it and i could just feel like i I just, I'm cynical that I'm going to get anything. All right. I'm going to try to convince people out there who have not seen it 
here's my pitch for this week. Last week, my pitch was the music because the music is music Trent Reznor really and Atticus Ross, and they're going to put out the three volume soundtrack for the show as vinyl first. Pitch me, right. I've not watched it yet, okay. so pitch me. Here's here. something that's, that's interesting and funny because obviously people know Watchmen in most of mainstream media, not only from the graphic novel, but from you've, the Zack Snyder movie. You've read the comic? Movie. I have. So you've read the comic. A lot of people haven't read the comic, but a lot of people have seen the movie. Yeah, because right? it was a big I've deal. I've done both. And you've seen the movie, and so a lot of people are confused watching the TV show because it's not a sequel to the movie it is a sequel to straight up the comic Ooh, which is awesome so it's, it is squid because the comic ends such a nice like Ooh, it, wow it, it is squid wow. whoa psychic squid it's not a bomb right okay as, as portrayed okay the movie. i didn't but, like that about the movie yeah the psychic squid is weird af weird af yes and this show has that weird af tone to it now the one homage that was put into episode two do you remember in uh there was a, a simultaneous thread in the comics. So you, you, they would be parallel stories, not only the main story, but you would have the Black Freighter. Mm-hmm. And the Black Freighter was a comic within a comic, right? There was sure. a comic that was inside the world of Watchmen that the kid was reading, but it had parallels. And it was, again, the writer of the Black Freighter who then helped uh, Ozymandias develop the, the plot for the Psychic Squid. But anyway, uh, the, the parallel thread in the, the Watchmen TV show is there's a TV show and a TV show. There's a thing called American Hero Story. Uh-huh. And it's alluded to in the first two episodes that it's a global event. People are watching this. And it is, they show not only advertisements, but they show clips of this TV show that's like a, that people are watching as they're in the episode. And the TV show is supposed to be about the founding of the Minutemen and the first superheroes. Mm. And it's a docudrama. And the docudrama, while it's still directed by the same director who, who's working on the HBO Watchmen show, it's filmed like the Zack Snyder Watchmen. Weird. It was definitely very meta moment that I was like, oh, this is so interesting and strange. And uh, I love all the connections to the comic that are yeah. showing up. The other thing to sell you on is Regina King is so good. Yeah. Her performance is... Uh, it just incredibly touching and believable and complex. Um, so I really like her. Uh, the music is great. Just and there's so many nods to the comic book. Yeah, and so many threads. And you do need to rewatch it to get all the threads that connect to the comic book. I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I'm gonna try it out. And then and then I'll text. Have like a pillow to like punch. Yeah. You're like. Okay, we're done with pop culture. And also, like the ending trailers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the big things in tech this week is Apple had a a quiet launch for a new product. It's out today, it's out yesterday, for if you're listening to this on Halloween. But the AirPods got their long-rumored sequel. Now, take a step back. Remember, AirPods came out uh, a year and a half ago now, almost two years ago now. Two it's years been, ago it's been a while, yeah. right, AirPods? It's been a minute. Right, and then there was, it was 160 bucks, and then they sold a slightly revised version of the AirPods with a case, a new case that had uh, Qi wireless Charging, contactless charging, so you could put it on your G chargers. That was $200, or you could buy the case itself separately for, I believe, $70 or $80. And then this week, they literally this week, they announced the AirPods Pro. Slightly redesigned form factor, 
two things immediately noticeable. One is they now have silicone tips, so they are fitted to be noise isolating. But also the added benefit, they may not fall out. They might not fall out. That's a big concern. And so there are three different sizes of tips, and you can actually go to an Apple store, and they will let you try them on. Gross. This is kind of gross, yeah. Kind of gross. Do they have, like, little ear booties? Like, you put the little shoe store, they give you, like, little things. A little condom for your (laughs) your hair. Ooh. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, And they are significantly shorter than the existing AirPods, which... Was a big criticism of the design of the first AirPods. These are long little stems. The stem itself, the antenna, is shortened, and so it's a little bit more recessed. You still have a little bit of a stem, but but there's also now like a button that you could, or not a real button, but like a force sensitive, um, yeah. place you can press. Uh, the big feature, though, is they say it's improved sound quality, but it is has noise cancellation, active noise cancellation features, which is something that has been ruled on that over-the-ear headset headphone world by Bose and most recently Sony has done very well with noise-canceling headphones, but noise-canceling earbuds are still maybe a little less uh, common, and these are $250, which then put them on the high end, very high end for headphones. Especially earbuds. Yeah. The storage case is a little wider now, uh, and it has uh, four and a half hours of battery life uh, when you're using them without charging them in the case. Um, and, th- and it comes in white only. People, a lot of people had speculated maybe yeah, different colors. Four colors. And, but yeah. no, I think people Apple knows that the white AirPod is what kids at school recognize as that is the status symbol mm-hmm. you don't want to confuse it with your amazon earbuds or your microsoft earbuds or pixel buds so white is is apple and that's that's what they're going with so they're available now people have had early reviews and they say that the noise cancellation works they haven't i haven't seen any direct ab comparisons with the bose or the sony systems but it works on you know subway there's also an interesting uh new use of noise cancellation and apple says that it samples at 200 hertz so it's doing a lot of sampling adjusting canceling but they also have this transparency mode where if you press that that. fake button then it does dampen the noise around the world but it recognizes things like speech and other i guess tones that you would want to have pass through and just gets rid of a low level noise and in real time lets you have conversations while not hearing like a noisy jet engine while you're on an airplane i'm really interested in these i had uh my dad's an audiophile so i have had many different headphones that he's like these are crap these are crap too but i tried the apple in-ear headphones um because everybody had the ear pods which you know used to be wired and now they're airpods right but the in-ear ones have a similar design the like ear earbuds with different size tips and i liked them so much even though they were 70 dollars, which was a lot more than the earpods i bought two pairs because the first one i wore out like the cables started to like break down so i ended up buying another set of them and i liked them a lot so i'm really interested in the airpods if they've copied that sa- those similar sound drivers with updated you know like innards i'm sure but like they sounded so good 
that I'm really excited to hear these. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious to... Just from sound quality perspective. Yeah, sound quality, noise cancellation, also comfort. A lot of people don't like the in-ear silicone tips because mm-hmm. uh, they're not perfectly fitted. They also create a buildup of pressure. Apple yeah. says they have like a vent system now to release that pressure so it won't feel like you're just kind of stuffy-headed yeah. when you're wearing these. Um, Edomotic had done the, the best, I think, previously in-ear silicone buds but again they get dirty i think apple's charging four dollars to replace the tips if you get that's not too bad actually that's not that bad uh but i i I, i'm unconvinced that the sound quality can be good and noise cancellation is good on a on something that's wireless like this i'm not convinced it'll be that good at 250 dollars that's the thing this is more expensive than the AirPods when they came out. Oh, yeah. Which but were considered very expensive, expensive. Yes. right? Yeah. And so uh, you have to evaluate this against all of the other competitors that are out in the marketplace now. Because when AirPods came out three years ago, I looked it up, 2016, yeah. December 2016. Whoa. So there were there are still wireless earbuds out there, don't get me wrong, but there weren't nearly as many. And so like you could justify like this is like a thing that just seamlessly works with my device and gives like good enough sound quality. Yeah, good enough. Now you have choices. And so I have a hard time if other devices live up to the same sound quality spending for the high-end Apple price point. Especially since at the same time, Amazon has their Echo Buds Mm. and those are $130 and they do have noise reduction tech, tech using Bose technology. I don't know if they have two speaker or two microphones in each earbud like mm-hmm. Apple's does, but the reviews for those are great as well. The version that excellent sound quality. Uh, the only problem is that they charge over micro USB and no wireless charging. I think wireless what is charging. Amazon, do, Amazon doing yeah, with these micro USB? Yeah. Everything is still micro USB with them. Makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, you need to get on that USB three train. But I think everyone wants to get on the earbuds because that's going to be the thing that people have in their ears. It's going to be the world of her, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be people living, you know, Bluetooth earbuds in ear now all the time, are, all the time is going to be the new normal. Well, I understand Amazon doing this because now you have integration with their assistant mm-hmm. and Google, same thing, integration with their assistant. Listening all the time too. Yeah. Siri um, too now. Siri. With the Hey Siri and the Air- AirPods too. And I imagine then these mm-hmm. will also then have that as, and that's only going to expand. I mean, if you, if you fast forward to the ludicrous conclusion of this, right? 10 years from now, you're going to have an earbud or like something you just stick on you. Yep. That just sits there all the time and is listening to you. Like we're not that far away from that. You saw even the, what, what the we Avengers wear. Avengers yeah, use their exactly. intercom system. You just like stick it on you or stick it in your ear, and it does the job. I the tell you battery. what, though, if battery, yeah, if you can withstand alien missiles and still have that device working, it's amazing in your ear. I'll buy that product. That's the real super. That's the real, <laughs> the real amazing thing in Endgame. So one of the faults and limitations of earbuds, wireless earbuds specifically, not only battery life is the big concern, and four and a half hours might sound like a lot, and the ear, my ear, AirPods now get like under two hours after battery drain after using for a couple of years. Right? Uh, it's, and four and a half hours isn't a lot if you're on a like San Francisco, New York flight. That's, yeah, that's not long. But enough, if you have you know? the case, it charges them. Like, I, but I the whole point know. is to keep them in your ear. You want? I mean, we need all day. It's not AirPod possi- battery life. Not possible yet. 
I don't like how often do we talk about battery density, energy density and batteries? Yeah, it's like a it's, it's a hard problem to solve. This is not going to be fixed with the the kind of size of earbud they're going to uh they're going to develop. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to have a case that charges your mm-hmm. your pods that's this small and gives you essentially 24 hours of usage. My over the ear headphones get 30 hours of charge. Yeah, that's great. I never have to charge it essentially. Yeah, exactly. Just just before a long flight. That's I it. love I Norm and I have the same ones and I love them. Yeah. The Sony one thousand XM threes. Yes, they're so nice. So but the other issue with wireless uh, headphones and earbuds is the latency in the Bluetooth connection. And it's one of the reasons that games and VR games specifically don't uh, really like when you do Bluetooth connections. Yeah, you can't have that lag and play games. Totally. Uh, Razer's trying to get around that. They have new wireless buds as well. These are a thousand or a hundred dollars. Sorry. They're hammerhead true wireless earbuds, a hundred bucks. And they say they have a gaming mode which will reduce the latency to 60 milliseconds using a dedicated app because of their implementation and customized version of Bluetooth 5. Interesting. And it is an, it is an opt-in. So it might be something that consumes more power, but you turn it on and low latency mode then is activated. That seems reasonable, but we're talking about this really narrow slice. You're basically talking about people that are gaming on their phone or tablet. Yep. On serious games that you want this kind of low latency. Yeah, yeah. For music, that feels like a really narrow slice of people. I think so. Although it's a hundred bucks, so again, we're much undercutting. Apple's but it doesn't have doesn't have noise canceling. Noise canceling and all the other features. Yeah, yeah. I think the big uh, toss up this holiday season is going to be if you are agnostic to the brand and the fashion and the statement, right? It's going to be uh, the Apple or the Echo, the Amazon. Uh, earbuds i'm really curious um what the pixel buds are gonna do the one use case i really want to see with the pixel buds um is if they go back and do the active translation that they talked about with mm. the former mm-hmm. set that would be an amazing use case it would pass be. through yeah. yeah that's where latency that would really be too. really amazing if they can and if they can use some machine learning to kind of anticipate similar to when you're writing emails they'll say like oh if you this is where we think you're going with this conversation then they can put that latency down even further you know like a like a map calculator right it can tell you oh well if you went this way or that way or this way or that way constantly it can be faster and they can do that with conversation eventually you know mm-hmm. or at least the hope is the thing about Airbo- airpods and other earbuds that really bug me in general is that they're sort of disposable technology. Um, they don't. The batteries in them in the AirPod is ninety three milliwatts. It's not very big, so they last a few hours. But they only last so many charge cycles, just like a cell phone. Yep. But when you buy a set of wired headphones, like uh, Norm, how long do you plan on having these over the ear headphones that you just got? At least another two years. Yeah, years, yeah. many years. AirPods batteries deplete over years especially with the number of charge cycles you're putting them through if you use them every day like people do for even a status symbol you don't even have to be listening to them but they're still connected they're still burning battery constantly and then if uh, if you look at iFixit they tore them down and it's essentially one big glue piece inside of there so inside of an airpod is a big chunk of glue and battery and some small electronics that's not easy to recycle so it doesn't get recycled which means every two years you buy new AirPods. We're looking at millions of tons of white plastic earbuds in yeah. landfills because they can't do anything about it. And we're already at 
4.7 million metric tons of e-waste generated in 2016. That's three years ago. So it goes up every year. This is the thing that people don't talk about with, with no. iPhones in general. Yeah. And even though Apple may talk about their phones using 100% recyclable uh, aluminum or right. their laptops, Renewable energy to make them and recyclable yeah, material. It, it doesn't and, solve the problem of the waste of what people do with their old phones because not a significant number of people actually send those phones back to Apple. And there are not yeah. a lot of efficient ways to recycle those yeah. phones. If they had something at the Apple store where you could do that, Drop because the they had that presentation last year where like the former EPA director who now works for Apple was talking about their recycling program. But you're right. I've never seen anything about recycling the AirPods. The AirPod. I don't think they can. I mean, again, I'm basing this on on what I remember, but like, I don't think they're easily recyclable. And because they are somewhat disposable as a, like headphones, you lose a pair of headphones, you go get another pair of headphones, right? Like you get, go buy $5 yeah. ones. These are more expensive, so people maybe keep more track of them. But like eventually you're going to get new headphones and all of that needs to be put somewhere. It's just a thing that I think and about sometimes with on. these. Um, no matter how efficient they can get the recycling program, the problem is that they're generating new products. The all the time. That, yeah, yes. The yeah, problem like, is that capitalism is, is what's driving their decision making, not recyclability. Yeah. I mean, at least the iPhone, they're working really hard at trying to recycle it. And I think you can take your phone to an Apple store and they'll recycle it for you, even old phones. But if you don't live near one, you're probably just going to toss it, right? Or even maybe you'll put it in your recycle bin, but if your recycler locally doesn't have anything, they'll just put it in a landfill. Mm. Speaking of new phones, things coming out next year, we expect there will be a new iPhone, and the rumor, latest rumor is everyone's expecting 5G. Apple's not ready for their new, uh, their new cellular chip, 5G chip, so they'll probably be using a Qualcomm chip, and the rumor is that it'll be using a specific uh, Qualcomm uh, 5G modem on potentially three sizes of phones. It's the X55 chip, and... Uh, Hopefully by end of next year, 5G will be a little bit more widespread in the United States. I'm still, I still don't think end of next year, it will still feel like early adoption for 5G, even yeah, in September. I agree with that. Yeah, it'll probably be two years before 5G feels it's a like. a lot of infrastructure to put in. I did a video on my channel about 5G and I learned a lot about it. I tried to debunk a little bit of people's fear of it because millimeter waves sound scary for some people, but you need like so many small cells to make it worthwhile to have. So like government buildings and schools and like universities and things might have it, but it's going to be hard because you can only go, what, a few hundred meters from a small cell and then you mm -hmm. lose 5G connection. Yep. And, and interference mm -hmm. uh, gets in the way. Even the rain will yeah, get in the way. Totally. Um, of course, it'll be backward compatible with yeah. your existing You'll just networks. knock down to 4G. And the speeds of the X55 chip would offer uh, 7 gigabits per second peak download. So that's one gigab up to you know eight hundred gigabytes eight hundred megabytes per second theoretically at max uh, optimal conditions and three gigabits per second upload. A lot of bandwidth potentially out there. I'm excited about that part. Yeah. A um, little bit more back on uh, streaming streaming talk streaming service talk. Netflix has hinted at and is experimenting with playback speed settings, and I think it's surprising that it's getting a bunch of flack. It's getting a ton of pushback. I don't know why. It's not like it's turned on 2x by default. 
It's just let people have that choice. I think part of the pushback is coming from the artists themselves, like the makers of the content. This it had, was, it's was, not cinema at 1.5 speed. It's not meant to be viewed this way. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry, your stand-up special still has the same jokes at 1.5x. Yeah. Uh, uh, I... I think that just include this. YouTube includes it. I watch all of my YouTube video, all YouTube videos at at least one and a half times. Yeah. Pretty much. I think it says a lot about your content when you don't, uh, when it's good enough that you don't watch it that level. Yeah. Like there's certain, almost all the podcasts I listen to, I listen at two X except a certain set of ones where I need to listen at yeah, cause they're, one X. Like they're good storytelling or something. Yeah. It's not because of how fast the people are talking, which I think is yeah. like a misconception I've talked to people about. And they're like, how can you listen? They're so fast. It's like, it's not about that. It's like, I don't need to hear your every word so I can like zoom through this podcast as opposed to if I'm listening to, I don't know, this American life talks, they talk so slow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stay with us. Kind of like, it's just so slow. And I still want to, li- but I still want to listen to it at one. I I also it's a pr- performance. Yeah, I appreciate the artist being like it was meant to. You know, I created it in this certain way. It's meant to be viewed this certain way. Great. That's not how it works in life now. <laughs> all about shoulda. What is the not about coulda? What's the guy who wrote all about coulda? Wrote no, Boyhood. Shoulda. What's his name? Oh yeah, Link Link Richard Linklater. Linklater. He was on a podcast and he talked about, and I think people could use that lesson if they're mad about this is like you create a thing and you spend all this time creating it as he did with boyhood for like what 12 years or something then he puts it out and he doesn't know how people are going to react to it you never know how people are going to accept a piece of art that you've made until it's out there the thing is once it's out there you don't own it anymore it belongs to the people who've taken it and adopted it and pulled it pulled it into part of themselves and like it's the same with this if i want to watch it at one and a half back off haters yeah Frankly, I think this is a good people enjoy things. (laughs) I think this is a good tool for Netflix, who is making a whole play around binging. So let people watch more stuff this way. You could watch Friends at two times for sure. You could just maybe watch Friends. Maybe that would be better. A feature that's unlocked. It's like New Game Plus. You gotta you gotta watch the series first at one x, and then you unlock the. Then you get master mode. Yeah, to do a one point five and or point five x. Then can like Mario Kart, then you can do reverse. Oh, (laughs) yes, mirror mode. I like it. Yeah, yeah. A couple pieces of hardware uh, tech uh, announcements. DJI has announced a new Mavic Mini. It's 250 grams, and it is actually light enough that you don't need to get FAA registration for it. It's almost under the class of the small FPV um, drones. Has a range of 2.5 miles and has a camera that will film at 2.7K, 30 FPS. It looks very, very small. So teeny. Uh, of course, has all the same uh, flight capabilities and video capabilities of previous uh, Mavics um, in terms of recording and flight, uh, and it'll be four hundred dollars when it five hundred four ninety five. If you want the the big pack, yeah, if you want the propeller cage and the charging hub. But I do, Norm. Okay, but otherwise, four hundred dollars. <laughs> November eleventh is when that's coming out. Drones are still a thing. Can I tell you a really quick tangent? When I was on uh, airplanes this weekend, I saw a Lexus commercial playing in front of like a movie I was watching. And it was like, get the new Lexus RX whatever. And they're showing it like, you know, riding around in the snow and all this stuff. And then one of the shots is literally somebody flying their drone into an open trunk. I was like, what the hell is that? I saw that shot and I thought the same thing. And I was like, that's so weird. 
<laughs> How is that a thing? That's a very confident drone pilot. Yeah. yeah. Or it's automated. Could be. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so, um, ooh, PlayStation news. We had two bits of PlayStation news. One, Sony had announced their new earnings, for, and they say that their PS4 is now the second best-selling console of all time. has sold 102 million units including 2.8 million PS4s this past quarter. And wow. hit the 100 million mark this uh, last quarter. They're still selling that many? That's crazy, right? Th- yeah. Now it's been like out for four years, it feels like. But it is a drop, and it does mean that, you know, we are getting PS5 information next year, and it is end of life for PS4, but it's a great benchmark for the success of the platform. Uh, they clearly had done, you know, I think won this past console generation in terms of adoption. Um, but on the sad side, PS View is shutting down in January. So this isn't surprising news because behind the scenes they've been shopping the View service, which is their live TV uh, service. And it's not actually a bad service, especially if you look at the reviews in terms of the content. It's a little overpriced compared to some of the other things, but in terms of functionality, in terms of what you get, um, like what channels they have available, it's great. I'm a little surprised they haven't been able to sell it off given sort of where all the other uh, groups are going in the space, but it's just ending and come January. Yeah. Uh, I think this portends what next year is going to be about. I mean, all signs are pointing, I'm sorry, this is the downer part. All signs are pointing to the economy slowing down next year. Uh, I think when that happens, it's natural for consumers to scale back some of these services. When they scale back some of these services, especially during a period when there's already consolidation happening, I think we're going to see a bunch of these go down. Now, I mean, this is specifically a live TV streaming service. So its competitors were YouTube TV, Hulu, uh, obviously Broadway Cable, and Sling, uh, which is a little different than the, the on demand, the um, the SVOD stuff. Uh, but again, it all adds up to what you pay per month and your big you know media content budget. Yeah. Can do I you ask you the question? Ca- do you still have cable? Uh, no. YouTube TV. YouTube TV. You? Yep. Still got cable. Oh, wow. right. What's the what would be the thing you would cut? Cable. Cable first, uh, oh, as opposed for sure. to like like HBO Max comes out or Disney uh, comes we out. We don't What's... have any of the. We have Hulu, Netflix, cable, and then I think that's it. Amazon. Yeah, and Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, what but do you have? It comes with Amazon Prime, yeah. so yeah. it's not like I'm that's, paying an extra fee. But like I would cut you're, cable. You're paying the extra yeah, we are, fee. but like we're not. It's I, not like you can. Separate I have a that. shocking amount of these. What do you, what do you have? Uh, YouTube TV, Netflix. Prime, HBO, and CBS All Access starting January 22nd. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then Disney Plus. Disney, Disney Plus. Plus I'm going to have as well. Yeah. I have YouTube TV, HBO Now, DC Universe. I said that quietly to get that one by. Okay, I have Hulu because it came bundled with Spotify. Mm. Um, and uh, oh, ESPN Plus. Wow. And, uh, oh, I'm forgetting one. Oh, Netflix. I think. So you need the ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus Plus is part of Disney Plus. Yeah. So that'll take care of that one. HBO, I usually get for a limited period of time and then cancel. Mm. I did that with CBS. Yeah. To watch Discovery. DC Universe will go away soon. But I would cut cable. I I have it because my 
fiance and I met at working at a cable company. <laughs> <And> so, we, <laughs> so she loves TV. So she uses it to watch actual TV. She like watches the nightly news. Yeah, yeah, like oh. on NBC and whatever. Nice. So like we, she still watches it, but, but, but we're... But YouTube TV can do the same thing. We're switching to YouTube TV once we move to a place that we don't need to absolutely have Comcast because right yeah. now that's our only option and it's not cheaper to just have Comcast internet and then pay for YouTube TV and all of the other services. It's actually cheaper to just get cable. As weird as that is. Hey, of course, everyone thinks of Prime subscriptions and giving you not only two-day shipping, but also Amazon Prime Video. But there are also a bunch of other benefits. A new one is that Amazon Fresh is now going to be free for people who have Amazon Prime, the grocery delivery service. That's interesting. Uh, Whole Foods is already free, I believe, um, if you had Prime, the Whole Foods delivery service. I think you can... I thought there was still a delivery fee attached to that. I might be wrong. Um, Is... I don't know. I still am I I might be old like just old school here. Just spit it out, man. I feel weird about grocery delivery I do still. Too. Like it's still not comfortable. This is why Webvan went went down. Yeah, yeah, I also feel weird about. It. I I well, I'm one of those people that likes going to the grocery store. I like walking around the grocery store and like walking down all the aisles. But the problem is the line. Checkout yeah, line. The checkout line is the worst. If we could get like the RFID where you just roll your cart. Well, I was also working on that too where you just Yeah. You just roll your cart vision. through the thing and it's like boop 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 boop. boop. Yeah. This is how much you owe. Cool. And I'll charge it to your thing based on your facial recognition, which is creepy, but I'm sure they'll get there. But I'm with you. It's creepy. It's weird. I don't like having somebody else do my shopping for me. What's also creepy is self-driving cars. Waymo is probably the most well-known company at the forefront of that under the alphabet banner. And Waymo has announced that they're going to start offering uh, rider only. So no no drivers, (gasps) rider only trips in Phoenix and Arizona. Would you get in this? Yes. I would do this in a heartbeat too. I would go there specifically to try it. <laughs> what do you think you get away with doing inside a rider only Waymo? I don't want to get I would, away with anything. I wouldn't feel bad making out. You feel bad when you make out and there's a taxi. In the taxi. You got to make sure, you, there, I mean, there got to be cameras inside. Yeah, that's Of fine. course there is. Are they being monitored in real time? I, I, don't, don't, I don't mind people seeing me making out. I don't want to end up on one of those driverless taxi cab confession site driverless that would be so good taxi cab confessions oh man yeah tell us it's your deepest big con- secret some googly eyes talk to the googly eyes that's right it won't be a real person i'd no watch that judgment. show that sounds like a I youtube original the first thing i would want to try is you know just beyond the the uncanny valley part is try to change where i'm going Mm, and see how it handles it hey hey hey! slow down here slow down here i want to see this thing i need to take a picture slow down no don't be a jerk uh can you get a what a driverless taxi that takes you around the way like a oh i've never been to this town can you show me like the cool sites yeah yeah do a little planned tour that's gotta be easy right yeah and that's smart enough where they can even sync up to your google account and see where you've been and see what places you've bookmarked. Or if you've made like, I've made a map of this town. Can you drive me to all these places? Oh, that is cool. I would do that. Be like, I would like to go to this site and that site and this mm-hmm. site. And then you're going to wait here 10 minutes. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to come and, back to the car. Oh, I would do that. Turn it, if it optimized based off of how busy it is. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. The Phoenix, future, here we come. The future sounds cool. <laughs> so much to see in Phoenix. So much. 
Uh, if you don't believe in driverless cars and you still want to do car sharing, of course, there's Uber and Lyft. And Lyft had previously had success with their all-access plan. This is 300 bucks a month. That got you 30, quote-unquote, complimentary trips of under $15. So the math worked out if you were riding Lyft once a day and commuting, right? So like 30 trips cool. uh, for 300 bucks, it averaged to $10 a trip, but then you could go up to spend up to $15 a trip. So if your Lyft ride was... Previously, 12 to 15 bucks. This would have been a smart thing for you to do. But they're getting rid of that. So now it's called Lyft Pink, and it's a membership for $20 a month. And what you get is 15% discount on all car rides. Oh. How, make that math work for me. How much money would you have to spend right. in, in rides for $20? $20 is 15% of what? I don't know. I have bum, to do the math. Bum, 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 <laughs> bum. This nope. is an SAT question. It's, it's I'm going to totally, just Google this it. This is a PSAT question, Trace. <laughs> this, is a, it's not, this ain't no SAT question. I'm going to go to Wolfram Alpha. Oh, my God. <laughs> just give me the equation. Uh, it's 20 prob- divided by 0.15. By 15. Uh, or 200 divided by 15. Uh, $133, Norm. Okay, so if you spend more than $133 a month on car sharing on Lyft, it might be worth it for you to adopt Lyft Pink. But it would only be worth it in that you would break even. Yes. You would yeah. spend oh, no, no. the exact same amount of money that you spent before. 2000 divided by 15. Yeah, no, 133. Yeah. 133. Yeah. 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 That's still, that's a ton of rides, isn't it? For people commute, if you're in if LA, you're, if you're taking, well, I mean, like, let's say the average ride's ten dollars, right? That's 10, only 10 it's only thirteen rides, and if you're commuting every day to and from work, like that's two weeks ish. I don't think it's reliable enough to use to commute. Or it's to a work. weekish, I guess. Yeah. Saves you on parking. I, I used to commute to work on Lyft very rarely, like with a shared one, and there yeah. were other people who would do it daily, every single day. They would they would do that. It yeah. says it comes with other perks, like three uh, thirty minute. Bike rides and scooter rides from oh, their okay. own right, right. owned uh, groups. What are they? Uh, I forget what the um, the Lyft scooter company is called. But I I actually know a lot of people that take the scooters to get to the train, so they use it as their like little last mile yeah type commuting option. So I can see this work in certain markets. I'll use that. I like that. In certain markets, which markets? Uh, certain, certain, uncertain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncertain. Hey, let's talk about some video game stuff. Death Stranding is the Kojima game that's coming out on PS4 uh, soon. And next year, next summer specifically, it will come out for PC. I, know, the, I don't understand this game. I've, I've never played trailers. this game. Kojima games are not meant to be understood. Inscrutable. Uh, it's the one with Norman Reedus. It's and the a one, baby. And a baby. Guillermo del Toro's in it. It, it looks weird. He's personally cutting all the trailers. In fact, I think there's even a new trailer he released today on a Halloween, but it's coming out on November 8th. Oh, it's a week. Oh my gosh. And then uh, it's going to come out um, and it's unannounced which digital storefronts it'll be in, uh, but maybe it may be Epic Games first because the publisher is 505 Games and they did Control as well, which was Epic Games exclusive. Hopefully, it's on a bunch of them. Uh, if you're a Steam user and you want to play EA games, well, you haven't been able to play EA games on Steam since 2011. The last EA games title that was playable on Steam that you could buy was, any guesses? 2011. Uh, the Sims? NBA 2010? Crisis 2. 
Oh, Crisis oh my two. god, that feels yeah. like forever ago. It was forever like a ago. long time ago. But uh, all is maybe rectified as EA has announced a partnership with Valve to put EA titles on Steam, starting with uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Apex Legends. So you don't need Bef- Origin. Before you get too excited, first of all, Origin sucks. Uh, <laughs> The before you get too excited, it's only select EA games. Yes, it won't be the entire library. It'll be select EA games, and you won't have cross buy compatibility. So if you bought a game on Origin, it doesn't automatically pop up on Steam. You have to pick which storefront, and the cross play compatibility is not going to be there necessarily at launch. They'll so have to work the back end to make sure you can still play multiplayer. Horrible, but mm-hmm. PC games, so it should just work. Uh, but at least for people who like consolid- uh, consolidating and having just one storefront, if you're heavily invested in Steam because of Steam sales going on right now that you might want to look into getting your Battlefields and your Apexes from Steam as opposed to Origin. I'm sure they get a good cut. Uh, There's also be a version of the EA All Access, but it won't be exactly the same either that that you can currently get in the consoles. Uh, Xbox is looking into a game bundle. This, this This is what the Apple plan will be in like a year or two from now, right? Xbox has an all access bundle where you pay $20 a month and it gets you the console, the game pass and live payments across 24 months. So Xbox one X, um, and a game pass. And so if you do the math, it's 480 bucks worth it, right? It's, you know, it's no interest loan kind of thing. Uh, and now they're going to uh, bring this back for Scarlet, which is the next holiday 2020 project Scarlet's the next console. So it'll be like a trade in, you trade in your Xbox one and then you, as long as it's from the same retailer you bought this bundle from and you will get, uh, the fee, you, you will get upgraded to Scarlet at whatever fee that is. This is just what life will be like now. That's we, what, you won't own is, any piece of electronic. You're just going to pay a subscription to it. We had games as a service. Now it's going to be hardware as a service. Look, I hate it. That's all. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I hate service everything. Yesterday, I was on the phone doing, you know, millennial tech support with my mom, and she updated her Mac OS to Catalina, and her Office 2011 stopped working. Yep. And Microsoft's website tries to push you into subscription 365 at every turn, and I finally figured out how to get the standalone download for $200 of Office 2019. Long story short, Subscription services are stupid. Sometimes I just want the software. It should at least be an option to just buy the software all the time. Have forever. a key and like, you'll use it on legacy systems. Yeah, I hate not I, have to update. I, I don't need the update tomorrow. I might need the update next year or all the updates from tomorrow to next year, next year. No, they want you to buy in. I mean, it's worked very well for Adobe. It has, and that's I, I hate them for it. <laughs> but you'll still use it. No, I don't use it. Oh, you don't use any. I, oh, I use oh, no. Oh, I wow. use no Adobe product if wow. I can help it. Okay, if I can help it, which I can't always. Um, a little bit of a tease tomorrow. There'll be a video. Actually, maybe today, later today, there'll be a video uh, we're putting up about uh, Google Stadia. I was able to go to Mountain View and get some hands on how this is Google's uh, cloud game console, and we did some testing and got a chat with the engineers about their compression algorithm algorithms and how they're minimizing latency to make this work. So uh, stay tuned for that video. It's a good conversation. Uh, one final update. Um, 
I didn't know about this. I have a Glowforge, and uh, we've been waiting. You know, the Glowforge has had a a long rollout since it was announced in late 2015. It sounds like it's mostly figured out by now. They're shipping. The units have shipped. People have them. Materials have shipped. Uh, people are happy with it. Jeremy's making a ton of stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and People are unhappy during, but once people got units, they were happy generally. And we talked about there was a big update two weeks ago where uh, raster etching was uh, much faster, especially on the pro models. Uh, one thing people have still been waiting for is the air filter. And like waiting for, you should give context, like waiting for since some people have been waiting since pre-order, which has been four years. It's true. It's true. Uh, now, they've given you the option if you wanted a refund on it. You can go to your GoForge account. You can contact support and they will give you a refund on that portion of the order. So you lose your place in line and discounts, but then you're, you get your money back for that, which for a lot of people, if you have a good solution for, like I don't think anyone who received their GlowForge and shouldn't be using it already. Like if you if you've got if if you've gotten the laser cutting, you should have a solution that's not just air filter aligned. The air filter should not be the only way for you to. I mean, some people there are some cases where you, there's no possible way for you to set up your uh, ventilation. But at that point, I, I I don't recommend letting the you know your unit just sit because you don't have ventilation. Um, you're missing out on being able to make stuff. But they do have a compact filter, which is they changed the design. It's no longer going to be an air filter that the Glowforge sits on. It's going to be more like this box that lives under it that the vent goes into. Uh, and they have a unit right now for $1,000. And they said that the, the one that will ship will ship toward the end of the year. They had some production delays uh, with that model. And right now, I think people are looking to get their air filters by end of December or sometime in January. So hopefully... Uh, I'll get mine in end of December, and I'm going to use it for plastics. I have ventilation right now for for uh, for plywood and for the for the particle board. Uh, people should read about air filters, HEPA filters, because they they are consumables. Like the filter yeah. itself needs to be replaced, and can be 250 bucks to replace a filter. And the amount of cutting and etching you get on a filter depends on the material, heavily on the particulate that the material releases. So if you're cutting something like particle board, you're only going to get about 10 hours of cutting or so on a filter like this. But if you're cutting uh, acrylic and it's acrylic fumes, that's not heavy particles. Uh, it's just melted plastic and your air filter can go for hundreds of hours. It's also just really important to use ventilation and yes. filtration systems overall. I think most people that own the Glowforge understand that. Yeah. Uh, this is super toxic. Okay. That's it for tech news? Yeah. Now it's time for a moment of science. So Trace is here. So we're going to double moment of science this. So it's two moments. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Team Trees. Team Trees. Are you on Team Trees? I'm on Team Trees. You released a video about I Team Trees. I did. Tree. Team Trees not burning. So Team Trees, if you don't know, which if you've been on YouTube for the last week, there's almost no way you haven't seen a Team Trees thing. Um, it's essentially a bunch of creators got together. Uh, so Mr. Beast and Mark Rober and uh, you know a bunch of other creators were kind of at the pinnacle or like the top of this, and like Destin from Smarter Every Day. And they all kind of got word of mouth out there to say let's all release a tree team trees video or tack on something about team trees 
on your Friday uploads for last week. Yeah, and I think the origin, from what I understand, is Mr. Beast had posted a video and somebody in the comments challenged him, like, That's could right. you plant 20 million trees? Yeah, when he hit 20 million subscribers, they, they were yeah. like, let's plant a tree for every subscriber. And uh, really has turned that into like a really interesting campaign because uh, the Team Trees videos that have come out a lot of people just talked about how trees like intersect with their lives or their work. And so there's some um, great ones like Joe Hansen put one out about planting trees in the context of climate change. Uh, Bob Claget from I Like to Make Stuff, I love that channel, just talked about the trees around his farm and wanting to like have trees for his kids to, you know, walk around and enjoy and just, you know, as a moment of bonding and family. You know, Mark Rober did something with drones. I won't spoil it. Like and Not so, there's a real variety of of yeah. uh, stuff out there. Uh, mine, mine was actually a meta one because mm -hmm. I had already wanted to talk about social movements, and I was like, "This is a perfect example yeah. of like the psychology that goes into social movements and why you feel good when you're part of something bigger than yourself." So it was a it was a fun video to put together uh, in partnership with something that was actually a bunch of people trying to do something together and we're at eight almost eight and a half million trees planted. So it's a dollar donation per tree and it goes through the arbor day foundation the arbor day foundation they're based in nebraska and they, the trees uh i actually called them yesterday to talk to them about where the trees are going to be planted they, right. they haven't been super clear on that um some people were tweeting about it and the president of the arbor day foundation uh tweeted back at me so i'm hopefully going to get to talk to them about it yeah from what i understand they're going to be planted all over the place. It's yeah. not going to be one location where 20 million trees are planted. And also, and I think Mr. Beast has been very open about this, uh, there was a, um, a study that came out talking about uh, whether you could plant trees and solve some of the issues with climate change. And like the number associated has been like 20 trillion trees. Yeah. And it's like that won't work for a lot of reasons. And there isn't some illusion that this is trying to solve climate change. This is more about collective action and the important place trees have in our culture. Um, and it allows us to have discussions about things like climate change. Um, yeah. Elon Musk is now... Uh, gotten involved in Jack Dorsey. Elon Musk owed in a million dollars yesterday. Yeah, let's look at that leaderboard. That was huge. It was huge. So they have teamtrees.org. You can see most recent uploads, or uploads, most recent tree purchases, if you will. And then uh, Elon Musk is now at the top for 100,000 trees, which is pretty awesome. He, If you go to his Twitter, he is now Treelon on Twitter. Yeah. Now, uh, normally I groan when Elon does stuff, but his like four tree beard... Um, I feel like I can get behind that. That's pretty good. As a right? Lord of the Rings nerd, I'm really into that. Um, I actually think the most trees, like while it gets a lot of attention and press, is not as important as the number of people that are participating. Yeah. And so seeing people that are donating one or two or, you know, 20 or whatever it is, I think that's so, that's the fascinating part to me. Yeah. They're trying to get to 20 million trees by January 1st. Is that right? I think by the end of the year. Yep. So it, there's lots of time and we're almost halfway there after a week. So I feel really good about it. I mean, like any movement, you have to know that it's going to be that hockey stick where it's a big spike right now and then it'll slowly taper off. Mm -hmm. But the hope is that people keep talking about it. In, in the uh, discussions of video releases, everybody knew that Friday was going to be the kickoff. But because it was word of mouth, not everybody was aware that it was coming. They were trying to keep it secret for mm -hmm. some, but they were saying like, tell people 
but like tell people that can keep a secret till Friday. Um, and so I learned about it a few weeks in advance, but some people have known like Mr. Beast and, and Mark were talking about it starting, they said in like April, May. Yeah. So they've known for months and months that it's coming. So they had a lot more time to plan, but videos can be released throughout the next three months. Totally. Donations are accepted. I'm sure even after January 1st, they will yeah. like take no, your money. No more trees want. after You're January like, 1st. Sorry, We're we done with them. that. Um, interesting too, to, because you brought up like where oxygen comes from. I did a video uh, when the Amazon was burning. Great video. About kind of where our oxygen comes from. And in the US, our oxygen mainly comes from the ocean. So as much as I want to be on team trees every day of the year, hashtag team trees, you need to also protect the ocean because the ocean is actually where our oxygen comes from. Plankton, yo. Yep, 50 to 80% of our oxygen. Wow. Bloody Mary illusion. Hey, uh, there's a really good YouTube channel, The Modern Rogue. They're friends of friends. Uh, I think they're based out of Austin, but they make really fun videos, uh, do experiments. Um, and one of the things they made a video most recently about is, in time for Halloween, this Bloody Mary optical illusion and the origins of that and the actual science behind why you can see this creepy face in the mirror if you stare long enough. Uh, and it it really works. It is scary as hell. It's super awesome. Here's Brian Brushwood in front of a low-light low mirror in behind <laughs> us. So, uh, Trish, you did some research on this. Why, did. Did, why does this work? So, uh, essentially, for people that don't know, this is sometimes called a Bloody Mary or, you know, bloody other names like Kathy or Karen or whatever it is, you know. And essentially, you look into a mirror. So you stare at yourself, yeah. Um, and then you, your face morphs into the, something monstrous and scary. Yeah. And it has to do with how your brain works. Um, there was a study done in 2010 by Giovanni Caputo in the journal Perception uh, that actually, that they had 50 people look at a mirror. And, you know, what we would have done as kids is, Okay, everybody, we're on a sleepover, go to the bathroom where the mirror is and like turn the lights down or off or have a flashlight or something and stare at your face. And that is what he replicated in his experiment because it's great. Um, the science version of Bloody Mary is get a room with a 25 watt bulb, <laughs> sit uh, 40 centimeters away from a mirror that is 0.5 meters by 0.5 meters wow. square and then had 50 subjects who were all in their 20s stare at their face. And they said 66% uh, saw deformations of their face. 18% saw parents' faces with their traits changed. Some of those parents were dead people, which is, you know, kind of scary and interesting. Um, they saw unknown people. They saw animals. They saw monsters and beasts. And this all, this all comes back to kind of the idea that your brain is very lazy and it fills in stuff all the time. Like you, if you you aren't thinking about your breathing, you're not thinking about maybe your body temperature unless it's extreme. You're not thinking about. I mean, maybe you're thinking about your breathing now. You're not really <laughs> seeing your nose, even though it is in front of you all the time. And that's because your brain's filtering things out. And this is no different. It's it's making assumptions about the universe around you all the time. And you can notice this because you're staring at a single point. It's the same as like the Troxler fading and Troxler effect yes. visual optical illusions where you stare at a, a point and things appear to move or, or disappear mm -hmm. uh, or disappear. It's yeah. exactly the same thing. The difference is it's your face and it, and because the brain is so good at faces, it fills in those chunks with other things. And if you're primed to be scared, maybe it's monstrous things. If you're, you know, not really thinking about it, maybe you just see unknown faces or faces that you are very familiar with, like your parents, you know. Oh, and one of the best implementations that is adjacent to this illusion is like the celebrity face distortion effect, where you have uh, 
a, a point of focus that you're looking at, you stare at it, and you have celebrity faces on both left and right side. And as the faces, as you stare at that point, and they flash different faces, they look super weird immediately. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. like long term staring needed. It is immediate effect, and it just shows that the sides of your attention, like once your eyes focus on not a face, it still wants to see faces. Yeah. And the faces that you have not just in your periphery then get filled in very weird ways. I'm curious how much like the vibe and mood, like the whole idea of using Bloody Mary brings up conjures like negative connotations. And so that's why people will see monsters and whatnot. I wondered about that too. In the study, they said 48% of people saw monsters or fantastic beasts or like Mm. fantastically like fantastic characters, which I thought was kind of cool. I did think that it was interesting that people saw their parents because uh, it's a face that you can picture pretty easily for most people, and it looks sort of like you. Wonder if there's recency bias too. Yeah, in that. Yeah, like I mean, if you think about dreams, right? They say your dreams are filled with people's faces, and they're they're mm-hmm. sourced from faces that you actually have seen in real life. Your brain doesn't create those things whole hog, uh, no matter how many feral hogs there are. They just like make <laughs> the faces based on your experiences. So it's not any different here. It's not like the brain is inventing something new, but it's making assumptions. Yep. And so I'm like, oh, I assume the chin is here, even though I'm not actually looking at it. Because your brain is is biological. It's not a computer, so it can't do five things at once. It can do one thing at a time. So the rest of it, it just kind of fills in with crayon. Uh, I hope people try this, but if you do, you have to use a 25-watt bulb <laughs> and the proper mirror size. Incandescent Otherwise, <laughs> we're not taking it into account. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I haven't been here for a couple weeks, so I want to catch up on a couple stories. Um one is quantum supremacy. Have we all heard about quantum supremacy in the past couple of weeks? Because there's been endless articles. Good about band it. name. <laughs> I bet you there is. We a are band quantum name. supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, San Francisco. <laughs> Hello. Uh, uh, so Google came out with a uh, with a paper in Nature where they used a 53 qubit system uh, to perform a series of calculations that they said the world's largest supercomputer, which is called Summit, it's at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, would take 10,000 years to complete. Okay. What's a qubit? The qubit, the whole point of a qubit is that a normal bit can either be a one or a zero. It has to be in that binary uh, setting. A qubit allows multiple states. It can be a one, a zero, or it can be the superposition. It can be a one and zero at the same time. (sighs) And uh, so because of the ability to hold multiple states like that, its uh, ability to process uh, computational tasks is exponentially greater than a classical system. Now, there's tricks in all of this. Like you can use memory to sort of mimic certain um, uh, uh, compute behavior. Uh, There's ways that the circuit is structured, all of these kinds of things. But the idea is basically that if we have this superposition, we get exponential performance. And so slowly they've been building different computer systems, air quotes, uh, that are designed with these qubits in them. Uh, I went to IBM and I saw a 12 qubit system last year, a year and a half ago. Uh, you've seen a, Q, um, a quantum computer system somewhere, right? Yeah, I worked with uh, IBM last this last February for their Think conference, and mm-hmm. they had a bunch of their quantum engineers there, so I nerded out pretty hard. And they bought, brought some of the quantum chips with them, so I got to yeah. hold some of their, I think it had something like, 
I feel like 20 or 30 yeah. cubits. So slowly, these are these like kind of gold, kind of chandelier looking oh, rigs beautiful. that are helium cooled, uh, liquid helium cooled. Um, and so slowly they've been adding the number of cubits. And so Google reaching 53 is really interesting. Uh, the background on this is sort of fascinating too, um, because the calculation you have to do matters. Because how do you decide what calculation? So in 2012, this uh, professor from Caltech, John Preskill, um, coined the term quantum supremacy. And he came up with a series of basically useless calculations that would be at the limitation of what classical computers could do. Uh, and Google took one of those really useless things and performed it. Mm. And they, that's why they say they achieved quantum supremacy, is they performed one of these calculations from a paper from this guy back in 2012. Well, when you say that I did this better than the largest uh, supercomputer uh, out there, the manufacturer of that supercomputer tends to be like, hold on a second. Yeah, let me do that. And so the manufacturer of that supercomputer is this company, IBM, who's also working on quantum Maybe computing systems. Uh, and they did a simulation um, using different techniques of how they manage memory. And they were able to actually complete this useless calculation in about two days, according to their simulation. So they said, wait a minute, you didn't really actually achieve quantum supremacy. But it doesn't take away from the actual achievement yeah. of a 53-qubit system, which is actually the news here. The quantum supremacy part is just formed headlines, and it's a milestone, but it's one milestone along like a huge pathway towards getting uh, useful quantum computing power because right now this is essentially com performing computational tasks that we don't need yeah yeah i mean Not you practical. could yeah you could use these computers to do things but why would you spend millions and millions of dollars to you know like no offense but like play a steam game or something you know you're going to use this for astronom astronomical calculations or really complicated theoretical math pro problems like to calculate the gravity of something orbiting something else based on filtering out all of the noise, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it's going to be so, so huge data sets and things that we don't really need to do right now. Mm -hmm. We want to though. We want to do it. In this vein though, I have another story I love that, that came out uh, about a week ago. It's a new form of CRISPR editing. This is the Ooh. system that has been uh, known to edit DNA. CRISPR basically works like this. There's a enzyme paired with a guide RNA. The guide RNA tells you where to cut and not to cut on the DNA. The enzyme helps enable the cut. Uh, and then you have to do a system of replacing. That's sort of the Cas9 is the, the that was enzyme. Really, that was a really good, very quick description. Nice yeah. job. Prime editing is this new technique that came out of the Broad Institute of MIT where they essentially um, replace the idea of that guide RNA with a more complicated vehicle. They use something called peg RNA, which has these like two elements to it. Um, the enzyme cuts, just nicks the DNA in one point. Uh, the peg RNA uh, contains uh, both a guide RNA and what's called a reverse transcriptase, which contains like the actual edit you want to do is contained in there. It can mm. make a copy of the DNA. So it nicks the DNA, inserts the copy above that, and then uses the cell's own systems that look for damage in RNA to fix itself. To repair it. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, so that's essentially how this works. It's a really big advance. Hold up. <laughs> because in all of the papers, it said, like, this has the potential to cure 89% of all genetic diseases. Um, there's a great Twitter thread uh, from a postdoc in a um, gene editing lab. He's in a, a lab at MIT. Uh, his uh, Twitter handle is at circuit underscore logic. Uh, Jonathan Wild is his name. He goes through all of the problems with this approach. Like, one is just the hype. Forget about that 89% number. Just throw it away. Two is, like, with all CRISPR, it's about how accurate the edit and the cut is. And so we still don't really know what the off-target effects are. Like, is it cutting in places it shouldn't? It's also prime editing is this massive thing compared to the Cas9 system. So how are you actually going to get it in vivo, like in the mm -hmm. actual cell? They haven't done those experiments yet. Um, and then lastly, and this is the biggest issue with gene editing overall, it isn't the actual, the, the edits, the off-target effects are important, but also how you delivering that to the cell needs to be done. And this doesn't really answer all of those things. There is like different approaches that uses viruses for delivery of this system. Um, but you know, it, it's, that hasn't been developed. So this is an advance in the underlying technology, but it's nowhere near a practical excellent, uh, application. So you should take any sort of claims about what it can do in terms of curing the field with a massive grain of salt. And I think moreover, there's a fundamental problem of just size of this whole system in terms of cell delivery right now. One last story. Hey, let's play a music cue for this because I think it's appropriate. What are we it's, doing? It's not Jeremy's. But it sounds like it's a thing. What music cue are you talking about? Oh, we don't have it? We don't have a cue? Things that annoy me. Oh. oh. Yeah. Things that annoy me. Trace edition. Hi, I'm Trace, and I'm usually the nice person. No, you're still the nice person. Okay. Well, I get annoyed by daylight savings time. Very, very much so. Norm's looking for something. on. He's the... looking for... Oh, yeah, here it is. <laughs> found it that's okay that was worth it that was definitely worth it things that annoy me are daylight savings time um also called summertime which makes it so much easier to know when you're in daylight savings time and not like i don't know if you've written an email and you're like yeah can we meet at uh you know seven o'clock pst and it's like well actually it's june so nobody's <laughs> using standard time right now we're all in Daylight savings time, oh, yeah, yeah. also known as summertime. And you would know that. Anyway, that's just one of the minor annoyances. So daylight savings time sucks for many reasons. I think we all know, right? Okay, why, why each of you list one reason why you hate daylight savings Oh, this is going to be family feud style. Yeah. I wanna... Right? Survey says oh. farmers. <laughs> I'm going to go compliance. Compliance? What do you mean by compliance? Like, it, uh, the fact is that uh, where it's instituted hmm. and where it's not instituted creates confusion. Yeah. 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 Oh, totally. Thanks, Arizona. My, my fiance is Brazilian, and they have different daylight savings time than us. So sometimes they're three hours ahead, and sometimes they're five hours ahead. Hmm. It's really five. annoying. <laughs> it's really annoying. And baby sleep schedules. Yeah. And Hawaii just doesn't and do it. Arizona <laughs> Your baby do it. is your problem. <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, farmers really like daylight savings because of, and that's why we were taught daylight savings time was a thing, right? Benjamin Franklin came up with daylight savings time and he came up with the idea so we could get more sunlight at different times of day and it would help an agrarian schedule and blah, 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 blah. And we still just justify this 
by saying things like, oh, well, it will help us with energy consumption. That's the biggest justification right now. Um, and so I have this paper by two economists, um, Matthew Cokedon and Laura Grant, and they said daylight savings time does not decrease total energy use. And in fact, it goes up in some, in like some cases. Um, because the idea is, if it's lighter later, you won't turn your lights on until later in the day, and you'll use less energy. That's the justification for us to continue using daylight savings. I think we should get rid of it, but I have another thing that I want to bring up at the end here. So uh, what they did find out is that it smooths out peaks and valleys in energy demand, makes energy more easy to predict in some ways, which is really good for utilities, because if you flip on a light at your house, the local power plant literally has to put more coal into the furnace. Like that's how it works. There's no, the part of the problem with our energy grid is there's no storage capacity. You can't just like make a bunch of energy. And then as we flip lights on and off, it's like your phone. It, it's it, there's no battery. It's a balance. It's a constant balance that is constant. They have to predict how much coal they're going to need because they have to bring it from somewhere else. And I'm using coal because to remind you that this is not a clean system most of the time. Mm -hmm. So we use uh, more electricity in the morning generally. We use less in the afternoon, but we use more overall. So shifting the timing, quote, uh, reduces average costs to deliver energy because not everyone demands it at the same time during peak use periods. So that's nice. However, there are some benefits to daylight savings, uh, energy not being one of them. So stop you know, perpetuating that. There are fewer muggings and sexual assaults during daylight savings time because there oh, are it's lighter fewer, later. Yeah, because it's lighter later in the evening, which is great. Personally, I really like it when it's lighter later. I used to live in northern Michigan and up there it wouldn't get dark until 10 or 11 at night during daylight savings or summertime, which I really enjoyed. However, there are a bunch of other negatives like sleep deprivation when you go into daylight savings. Because right now you're listening to this, it's October 31st. We're going to go into daylight savings on Sunday or go out of it rather. So we're going to fall back. But when we spring forward, you lose that hour of sleep, which causes more traffic accidents, more workplace injuries, lower workplace productivity, poorer stock market trading, and can increase heart attacks as well. They've seen, seen increases in heart attacks. And if you're wondering, well, how do they know all that? I'm glad you didn't ask me, but I put it out there for you. Um, Indiana and Arizona and Hawaii don't do daylight savings, so they're control groups. Yep. So we can determine like, oh, there are fewer heart attacks in places that don't do the spring forward at that same time. Really neat. So we should just get rid of it. Or alternative theory that I read that I really liked because of the northern Michigan thing and having it be light. You're playing, you know, Frisbee on the lawn till 1030 at night in the summer. That's amazing. Um, and reducing things like crime at night because people can be out later at the local, you know, whatever, soda fountain. I don't know. So... There is a plan called double daylight savings where we, <laughs> we spring forward, okay. then we don't fall back. So then we just live in what we would call daylight savings time all the time. Okay. Uh, and that's one way to do it. There's another way is then spring forward again the following year. So if sunset was normally at six, now sunset, you've, you've sprung forward twice at eight. So you like spring forward in 2020. And then again in 2022? 2021. Oh, the following year. At the same year. time. But then okay. you don't, and then. And then it's over. Then you, you can, there are two kind of competing groups that say you spring forward once and then just do daylight savings like normal. Spring forward and fall back again. We're just mm -hmm. always living an hour ahead of where we are now. Because there's not a lot of reason mm -hmm. to use it. I'm on the, the king of just like spring forward, never do it again. Just mm -hmm. leave it alone. 
leave time as that's the new time yeah that's just time but double daylight savings is spring forward then spring forward again then start falling back again Mm -hmm. and so we're always living one hour ahead and sometimes we're two hours ahead of ourselves can we just get rid of it i just think it's dumb i don't think we need it anymore i don't think our society benefits from having it i think it's an inconvenience and i think it's a holdover from an old system i'm going to learn a lot more about this uh, in the next day or so i'm gonna make a video for my channel um that's going to talk more about where it came from and why the actual justification for why we adopted it. Uh, but that's a thing that annoys me. Awesome. Well, look out for Trace's video. And actually, that wraps it up for this podcast. We are out of time. No VR mean it. We'll come back to that next week. One yeah. thing Jeremy's before back. we wrap up, the best one of the best episodes of Nickelodeon's Pete and Pete was their time travel episode with Daylight Savings, where they got an extra hour to like figure things out. Just saying. Nice. <laughs> Deep cut. Uh, you can watch Trace's video about Daylight Savings uh, on your YouTube channel. Correct. YouTube.com slash Trace Dominguez. I'm everywhere at Trace Dominguez, pretty much. Perfect. And uh, you make videos under the banner of Uno Dos Trace. Uno Dos Trace. That's a great name. Kishore, anything coming up? Uh, yes, I'm doing three big screen science events at the Alamo Draft House next month. Uh, we're doing a Q&A on Last Starfighter with the original writer, John Tutel and Gary Witt. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Cool. Uh, and then we're showing um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and uh, doing one on Ford v. Ferrari, the new movie coming out with Brad Pitt and Christian Bale about the 24-hour of Ooh, Le Mans. I want I'm to, excited I can't for wait that. To I that. think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Close Encounters, speaking of which, we have an off-world episode about Close Encounters uh, coming out soon. And uh, we're doing a new printer review with the Formlabs Form 3. So hopefully you see those next week. And again, there's that Stadia, Google Stadia uh, interview and deep dive into their compression technology on our channel this week as well send us your awesome halloween pictures yeah Yeah, i love seeing how you costume and cosplay with the whole family all right thank you so much and we'll be back next week sure we get an outro this week yeah wilhawk's back here we go hi there i didn't see you final trailer for star wars episode nine the rise of Skywalker. Can I play it now? You could play it now. Haunted Leia's theme. Kylo? Character after character feels like they're crescendoing towards something. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I'm fine with no trailers. Like, and then Poe saved her. Somebody saved her. Oh, you need to rewatch Last Jedi. Well, like, that's arguable. Awesome, Mohawk. All right, see you next week. Bye.